This week's episode of the Jones Report is presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. We want to be your partner. OAGKS.com, O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com for the best financial planning around with O'Connor Advisory Group's own Brian O'Connor. You can reach out to Bo at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Sports Time. I'm Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, going to be joined by Chad Withrow of Outkicks Hot Mike, as we'll be getting Chad's thoughts on the college football playoff and go around the National Football League when Withrow joins us coming up later on the show. Plus, we'll have Coach Bowles Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. Uh, we'll have our Tom Fullery story of the week. We'll do our Big 12 breakdown, take a look around the rest of the NFL. Coming up in just a matter of moments. Dirk Hagman in for Thomas Bridges this week as we go to the bullpen. And pleased to uh, welcome in Derek Hagman uh, to the show this week. And uh, Derek, uh, always a pleasure anytime we get the chance to do a chat. And uh, thanks for, uh, for filling in this week. How are we doing, man? I'm good. Is is Coach Bo alive or has he mailed in the season? Just like, you know, somewhat the Bengals have since Joe Burrow's out. <laughs> Coach Bo is alive and well. Uh, he's alive. Well, he's probably doing better than uh, than than Cincinnati. So yes. uh, they're fans, but you know, hey, at least they've got uh, you know Skyline Chili. Um, so no, learned all of. I, yeah, I tried K- Skyline recently. Um, out of the can though, so it might not be the best comparison. But I got to say, uh, I was it was a major disappointment. It was almost as bad as the Bearcats against Kansas a couple weeks ago. Imagine that Cincinnati and disappointment. They go together like lamb and tuna fish. <laughs> You're not a tuna fish guy. Uh, that's that's a quote from uh, the movie Big Daddy. So those who oh, know, okay. know, been a long time yeah. since I've seen Big Daddy. To be honest, that yeah. was fun fact, uh, Derek. That was the first PG-13 movie I ever saw. Well, shout out to Charlie Jones and Lisa Jones for letting you see that. Yeah, I was about like two years old or something. Yeah, we went to the drive-in to go see Big oh. Ben. Wow, yeah. that's a throwback, the drive-in. <laughs> I didn't know. Oh, makes sense. There's probably a lot of those in Oklahoma. Uh, there's there's a big one in Tulsa. It still exists to this yeah. day. They've got a drive-in, but you can't pay uh, with your debit card on the turnpike. Priorities in Oklahoma. Can't now, actually. Uh, wow, I wasn't able to in September. Uh, uh, they are changing that as we speak. Thank so. God. Yes. Thank thank the Lord indeed. Derek, be uh, in 2024. Derek, we begin today uh, with the college football playoff and the four teams that were selected. The million-dollar question that everybody's been asking, really the billion-dollar question, did we get the best four teams with Alabama, Texas, Washington, and Michigan did the committee get it right and all this? And here, here's the way I look at it, Derek. It was a difficult decision. I feel bad for Florida State and their fans and, and that team. And, you know, credit where credit's due. They had an incredible season, and they worked their asses off, and it, it was an awesome run for Florida State. But at the end of the day, the committee's got a job to put the best four teams. And there's no way in hell you could look – at that Florida State team without Jordan Travis and say they belong in the same field as Alabama. Alabama looked great 
against Georgia in the SEC title game. Uh, we've seen Milrow really come along. He's played some really good football down the stretch here. I mean, that's what it comes down to. It's not about who's got the best resume. It's who are the four best teams. And I can look at Michigan, Bama, Texas, and Washington, and I can say, hey, those are all four teams that can win the national championship that are all pretty close. Florida State just doesn't belong in the same breath. It it, it sucks, and I get it. And and you believe me, it, it is – I do feel bad for Florida State fans, but I can't let – you can't let your kids eat ice cream all the time. Eventually, you you got to give them a spanking, and, and the committee gave Florida State a spanking here that, that – they had to make the, they had to make this call. Well, I, I think that you can't you can't look at how Florida State played the last two games of the of the of 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 note of late against Florida, who I mean they were are not very good. I, I think Billy Napier next year is in a make or break year um at, at the University of Florida. I, I just don't understand how the Gators have all that money and facilities and everything and they just can't get it right um it, it's it's unreal to me but you know you have all of that going on at Florida and then um you play Louisville there's no way you can watch either of those games and sit here and say that Florida State without Jordan Travis in a college football playoff game would give any of those teams a game they would not be competitive against Alabama. They would not be competitive against Michigan. They would not be competitive against Washington or Texas. I think if Florida State had gotten in, um, they would have lost by 20 to every one of those teams. But, you know, one thing that's not being discussed that should is Florida State is in the ACC. The ACC was the one Power Five conference this year that voted for that voted no on expanding the college football playoff to twelve teams this year. So it's you know like Taylor Swift says, you know, karma. Um, you know, it's not a guy on the Chiefs coming home to them, but um, you know, karma. You're already rubbing off on you. I see. That's right. That's right. Um, you know, uh, it's just it's not. It, it's kind of fitting for them that um, they voted no on expanding it this year. And they're the one conference that's kind of left out in the dark, but you can't sit there and watch and say that Florida state without Jordan Travis deserves to be in the college football playoff because they don't, it's unfortunate for them. I feel for them. I feel for their fans. I feel bad for Mike Norvell, I feel bad for Jordan Travis and everybody else. But um, you know, this isn't a participation trophy just because you went undefeated um that doesn't mean that you're one of the four best teams when your best player in the heart and soul of your team is out. You know, people want to talk about, man, it's crazy that you can go undefeated win your conference and not get to play for a national championship. Call Auburn in 2004. Yeah. They went and didn't get to play USC for the national championship. That went to Oklahoma. Oklahoma got their ass beat. Right. Yeah. I mean, precedent it's happened before. It, it's it's tough. It's a it's a business. College football is big business. At the end of the day, um, I, I think you know we will. It, it is a it's a tough look. I understand, but the committee beat everybody to the point. I mean they they took care of the dirty work for us and saved us the headache of having to sit through and watch Florida State get their asses kicked because we all know that was going to happen and. Right. And here's the thing, if you need evidence, if you need proof, 
we are going to see Florida State and Georgia play in the Orange Bowl, and both teams are in the same spot. Neither team wants to be there. Both teams feel they deserve to be in the playoff. And what do you know? Georgia's a 14-point favorite in that game. I don't expect that game to be close. And, you know, it's not going to be either team's not going to have an excuse for not showing up. They're both in the same boat here. I, I expect Georgia to run away with that game. Right. And Florida State is different from what Ohio State was in 2014, where, um, you know, in their conference championship game, Cardell Jones and Ohio State put on an unbelievable offensive display, scoring 59 points right. in that game, shutting Wisconsin out. Florida State, you beat Louisville like 19 to 6 or 16 to 6. Like you didn't impress anyone. You knew you had to win in a blowout and you were struggling late in the fourth quarter. Yes. Yeah. So it's completely different. They struggled to get a first down in the first half. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's nothing there that shows that that team that played, whether it's, you know, uh, Jonathan Wilson or, um, you know, Keon Coleman or anything. Yeah, they've got talent, but, you know, clearly Jordan Travis makes a difference, a huge difference. Well, and Derek, looking at next year, you mentioned that playoff system go to 12 next year. I can sit here and and I could live without losing sleep and feel like things are just fine if Florida State was the five seed and had to go prove it against Liberty in round one. And, and then we see, all right, let's find out what you're really made of. Playoff game without your quarterback, you still got a chance to win it on the field. To me, that that's a that's a fair compromise, and right. you know it, it's it is a very good time. We're mo- we're moving towards that system here. I, I think if if this was that situation, all of us would be okay. Like, all right, let's see what they really got. Yeah, no, I would absolutely be okay with that. A hundred percent. It's just one of those things where this is where we're at. This is the life and and situation we we are. Um, and this is this is you know what reality is. And it's unfortunate that Jordan Travis got hurt. But you know when the committee came out and said you know if a coach is gone or anything like that or you know that um, you know prohibits or or limits your your ability or you know you're missing a player or anything like that um, you're that's going to be taken into account. So, I mean, it's not like Florida state didn't know about it. Right. They put that out there to prepare Florida state. Well, I'm rude, here, but here's another, left thing, Derek. Here, here's, here's another thing too, that, that I would point to on, on all this, when it comes to this Florida state team, they had the chances to prove themselves on that stage they didn't look the part, and yeah. now you know that's that's it. You know, there's this there's this whole idea, this narrative that some people are pointing to that the SEC you can't leave out the SEC champ. That the SEC has to have a seat at the table, and that you know ESPN or something had something to do with it. You know, and that that they had to make sure an SEC team were there. Derek, for me, it's not about the SEC having a seat at the table. Um, I could care less if the SEC makes a playoff or not. But if we're being genuine and being true about the four best teams, you can't you can't compare that Florida State team and say that they are 
what Alabama is. I mean, all the metrics say otherwise, and the eye test says the same thing. Yeah, and I mean, you know, the crazy thing is that's that's really not being talked about is, you know, had Auburn, you know, not allowed Alabama to score a touchdown on fourth and goal from 31, we wouldn't be talking about Georgia being in this situation or Alabama being in this situation. I mean, I think had Alabama beaten Georgia, I still think that Georgia probably would have gotten that four spot um, just because of the fact that they were ranked number one most of the season. Um, and they'd won the last two national championships. I still, part of me feels like Georgia should be in, um, in the playoff this year. But again, I'm not going to argue with Alabama being in or Texas being in. I think every team that's in is deserving. Yeah. Let, let's, let me ask you one more thing and then we'll, uh, we'll shift gears in the NFL here. Um, of these four teams who catches your eye here, I, I, early indications for me, I'm leaning towards the lower seeds. I like a Texas Alabama rematch. Texas gets Xavier Worthy back from injury. They're red hot. Bama, I thought, looked like a complete football team that went against Georgia. I like them more than I do Michigan and Washington. But I think Michigan and Washington will put up a fight. What, what are you leaning towards right now of your first gauge of this playoff here? I I honestly I, I'm I'm very high on Washington. Um, I, I actually think that they've got the horses and, and if Michael Penix Jr. plays well, um, I think that Washington can, can beat Texas. I think Texas is a very good team, but, you know, going into that rematch in the PAC 12 championship game against Oregon, um, you know, with Oregon being favored by nine points and, and Washington pretty much dominating that game and, and, and Bo Nix and Oregon on offense struggled a lot. Uh, especially in that first half, they were able to come back and make it a game and, um, you know, ultimately ended up losing by three. But I I felt like that last touchdown drive by, by Washington was a a statement drive and a drive of, of their season. And I really like what I saw from them. Um, And, and, and I would not be surprised if, if they won the national championship. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. We'll, uh, we'll see what all happens there. Uh, Derek, uh, let's take a look around the National Football League. We'll circle back uh, coming up later with more college football conversation in uh, this week's Big 12 breakdown. But uh, let's begin uh, around the NFL this week. Uh, Derek, uh, I got to ask you about our Kansas City Chiefs here. <laughs> Lost to the Packers, didn't look good. This team, you know, is can't really find their footing in this receiving core. But – Something tells me, Derek, that, you know, it, it's it's way too early to be counting out this Chiefs team. There's still plenty of time to figure it out. It won't be easy to figure it out, but there there's still time. They got the right coach and the right quarterback that they can still put this together. I, my, my faith hasn't wavered that they're going to find a way. Are you in the feeling the same boat here? I, I get a lot of, like, 2018 New England Patriot vibes where – they just got to figure out their identity and play to it. Yeah. Um, I, I get some 2020 Tampa Bay Buccaneer vibes too. Um, you know, they go through a rut. It just, my thing is, 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 is the frustration that sometimes comes along with listening to Andy Reed at, at the podium week after week, especially when there's crucial penalties. For example, you know, when Green Bay's getting touchdowns and the Chiefs are having to settle for field goals because on their first two drives, they were they were holding calls in the red zone that that took big plays off as well as, um, you know, there were uh, 
you know, the Chiefs were were giving up sacks in the red zone, which they normally haven't done all season. Um, I, I, I'm never going to count out Andy Reid and and Patrick Mahomes. I think they've obviously found something in in Rasheed Rice, and I think they're moving towards the offense being okay. Hey, no matter what, we've got to get our playmakers. We Rasheed Rice. Travis Kelsey and Isaiah Pacheco have to touch the ball and be involved. Um, we have to make a huge effort to get them the ball and get them the ball early and often. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's at a point right now too, especially the last, you know, couple of games where you look at it and you see for some reason, they're not coming out with the energy on, on both sides of the ball that they need to. I understand that the thought process is with three Super Bowl appearances in the last four years that sometimes the, the regular season is annoying because you have to play it no matter what to be able to get to the playoffs. But you have to understand, especially as the Kansas City Chiefs, having as much success as you've had since 2018 when Patrick Mahomes took over as the starter is that no matter what, whether you're the Super Bowl champs or not, you are everybody's Super Bowl. Everyone is going to be up to play against you, and you have to come out and match that energy, whether it's the Green Bay Packers, the Buffalo Bills, or the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, you know, you've just got to come out and be better prepared. I think they're going to be better on the defensive end this week than they have the, to start the first two uh, the first, you know, early on the, the, uh, compared to the last two weeks, they are going to get Nick Bolton back. He's been a full participant all week. They've been ramping him up. So that will be huge, especially because Drew Trank was probably going to miss the game because of concussion. Yeah. So that huge to be able to get um, Nick Bolton back. Um, but, you know, it, it I, I still give them a puncher's chance with, with Patrick Mahomes and, and Andy Reid and think that, you know, they can obviously win the Super Bowl, but I do think that for them to be able to get the number one seed, they're going to have to win out. Um, and I think if they beat the Buffalo Bills, they can do that. Um, but let me they jump in real quick here. Um, this game against Buffalo this weekend, with Buffalo sitting at six and six, do you think there's any thought among Andy Reid and this Chiefs team, whether they say it aloud or not? Do you think they're thinking at all, we win this game, we can eliminate the Bills, we can write them off and not have to deal with them in January? I, I, I do think that that's probably a part of the thought process internally that, that will never be spoken about externally right? Uh, from, from the Chiefs' perspective. But, you know, with how Buffalo is struggling so far right now this year, I definitely think that that's a case. And that's not a team that, you know, Buffalo is talented. Um, we know this. Um, the thing that has surprised me the most about, about the conversation around the Bills this year has been – so much was put on their offense and they fired Ken Dorsey. It was their defense who took a drastic step back. You know, right. they went from top five team in DVOA the last three seasons to being like 17th or 18th. That's a, that's a huge drop off. Now it doesn't help when you're losing your star all pro middle linebacker and Matt Milano and your best corner and Tredavious white. And it's clear that Von Miller is not back to his normal self after coming off of, um, you know, that ACL surgery and everything else. Um, but, you know, this is a, this is a, this is the biggest regular season game um, in the Patrick Mahomes era. You know, Tyler, when, when you were up here in Kansas city, we would often talk and have these conversations about Andy Reid's holding stuff back, or this is an Andy Reid game in the playoffs or what is Andy Reid going to come out with that, that he hasn't shown all regular season. That's not out there on tape. I think this is a week that Andy Reid might have to burn through some of that stuff just to be able to eliminate the bills because he knows if, if, if the Chiefs can win this game, 
there's a good possibility that they're not going to see the Buffalo Bills in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. I so, mean, you make life a lot easier on yourselves if you take care of the Bills now and are facing a team like Cleveland or Indianapolis instead. Like, I, I, I think that's what makes this week so important. I can deal with Cleveland or, or, or uh, Indianapolis, <laughs> like, all day. I don't want this team touching the postseason. Yeah, no, I and, and I'm with you. That's not somebody you want to see as a six or a seven seed um, in the playoffs. And it's not somebody you want to see come in um, on, you know, on the road to your place because you know how well that that they can play. Um, you know, it's different than if, you know, say, for example, if the Dolphins had to come into Arrowhead or Lamar Jackson because, you know, Lamar is a great talent. But again, he can't win from we've yet to see him win from the pocket in a playoff game. Um and so that's the one thing that is drastically needed um, to be able to, you know, have belief in, in Lamar. And I just don't know that either of those two teams are going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, let's uh, let's roll through some of these uh, other games uh, this weekend. Uh, that Colts Bengals game. Um, Jake Browning looked phenomenal on Monday. Uh, you get a home game against Indy. We mentioned Indy's in the playoff picture right now. They got a backup quarterback themselves uh, and Gardner Minshew that they've been rolling with here. This is this one's kind of a, a sneaky, interesting game here. Like this is almost a, a chance for Indianapolis to kind of prove if they're for real or for not uh, here, Derek. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, this winning winning this game for the Colts would go a long way. But, you know, shout out to uh, to to Jake Browning and the Bengals for helping the Chiefs and others out by beating the Jaguars. Um, You know, I had forgotten for a while that Jake Browning was was still in the in the league. Um, You know, I remember him going undrafted coming out of Washington. Um, But, you know, he he definitely looks like he's another one of those guys who was was off and on of 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 practice squads but you know finally you know he's he's been in a in a in a pro system and been been a part of the NFL for a while that he's been able to develop and he was you know pretty much ready when his number was called you know a la Jason Bean at the University of Kansas right right yeah i i, I think that'll be very interesting to follow for sure um some of the other games to uh, watch this weekend Rams taking on the Ravens. Rams are still in the playoff picture at six and six. They played better as of late. The Ravens at nine and three. We mentioned the Ravens competing for the top spot in the AFC. Derek, we've seen this time the last two years, this exact time is when Lamar Jackson has gone down with injuries and missed the rest of the season. I know that things are a lot different with this Baltimore team this year compared to those previous two teams that, you know, they got more talent than they've had before. Uh, Todd Munkin's offense has been terrific, been a good scheme fit for Lamar Jackson. But, I mean, there's no way you can't think in the back of your mind if you're a Ravens fan or even some of these players about, all right, can Lamar make it to the finish line here? Well, and my, my thing is, 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 is it's about injuries, but it's not even really dealing with Lamar. It's talking about how what's not being talked about, and that is – you know, the, the loss of Mark Andrews, um, Mark Andrews targeted more than any player, uh, any player at wide receiver or anything, um, with how often Lamar Jackson targets him. And I don't think that that's really being discussed as much as it should, because Mark Andrews is targeted more than any wide, wide receiver. That's how much Lamar Jackson loves 
him and believes in him and and uses him and trusts him. And so that's going to be something that's going to be interesting. You know, if they get in the playoffs, you know, I'm sorry, Odell Beckham doesn't really scare me. Um, I definitely think, you know, let's say if they matched up against the Chiefs, Trent McDuffie or LeJarrius Sneed wouldn't really have a problem uh, with him. So it's I think with the Ravens, Derek, it's a it's not just one guy replacing Mark Andrews. I know Isaiah likely is a good second year tight end, but he can't be asked to replicate Mark Andrews. Like they need Zay Flowers, OBJ, Nelson Aguilar, um, Rashad Bateman. It's got to be a collective effort to replace Andrews, right? Right. No, it 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 does, and it's one of those things too where you know you. you talk about it so much with with a guy like Travis Kelsey, his feel for the game, his sense of a zone on and where to settle down and where where and 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 things to um, be able to to do. Andrews has that to a certain extent. Now he's not you know at the level that Travis Kelsey is, but but his football IQ is pretty high to where you know he knows where to be the safety valve and and where Lamar would expect him to be and 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 whatnot. And you're just not going to get it from some of these guys in an Isaiah Likely or anybody else because they just don't have the time or the chemistry. And I mean OPJ is a guy who if he's not getting the ball, he gets he gets mad and gets angry. And and I think that if he doesn't get his he doesn't get a couple targets early on in the game, he kind of you know, mentally is, is not there fully engaged. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, Seahawks and Niners uh, coming up this weekend uh, from San Francisco. Seahawks coming in on three game losing streak. Niners off a big win against uh, Philadelphia last week. Huge. Yeah. Huge. Uh, huge. Two kind of like what we talked about with the chiefs of, them eliminating get a chance to eliminate buffalo here if you're the niners kind of same ordeal you get a chance to potentially end any hopes of your arch rival seahawks going to the playoffs they'd fall six and seven at that point and four straight losses and then the niners are one step closer to clinching the one seed um you know and hanging competing with dallas and, and philly for that this is this is a huge opportunity for san francisco here yeah, and I mean, uh, an, an opportunity to show them that, you know, much like I've kind of thought, even though they obviously went through that three-game rut um, of a losing streak earlier in the year, that they are the best team um, in the NFC. You know, I picked Chiefs Niners uh, in the in the Super Bowl before the season started. I'm not going to sit here necessarily right now and back off on that. Um, but just by the way the Niners looked on – on Sunday against the Eagles was unreal. Just how much they dominated that game after the first couple of drives um, and, and got everything going and, you know, scored a touchdown on six straight possessions. Um, They were, they just looked like an absolute machine. I mean, Seattle was in a, was in a great game. It was a great shootout between them and the, um, and, and and the Cowboys, but you know, Seattle had struggled on offense for three straight games up until that point. So, you know, it's one of those questions of what, A, what Geno are we going to get and what, um, what, what Seahawks offense are we going to get? You know, DK Metcalf had had one touchdown until that, that game against the Cowboys where he had three. So what, what are we going to get from both from, from Seattle on, um, on offense, I, I think they're one of the worst teams in the league defensively. Um, I, I still cannot believe that albatross of a contract that they're paying Jamal Adams to just get continuously destroyed. Oh, he's, Jamal Adams is ass. Yeah. 
Um, he is just getting continually destroyed in coverage. He can't cover anyone. He's never been able to cover anybody. He's, he's a glorified in the box linebacker um, who cannot cover running backs, cannot cover tight ends. Um, and he thinks that he's just the fucking greatest thing in the league. And he's, dog shit um most of the time for what a safety is supposed to do and he's overpaid as hell i i I, the the seahawks have done a lot of things right over the last few years that is one of the biggest fucking things that they have gotten wrong yeah i 100 percent agree 100 percent agree uh one more game uh to talk about here and then uh we'll shift gears to our big 12 breakdown here eagles cowboys from at&t stadium on sunday nights uh eagles at 10 and 2 Cowboys at nine and three. Eagles have kind of owned the Cowboys as of late. Cowboys are playing some really good football. We mentioned that win against Seattle last week. Um, Derek, uh, is this like a de facto division title game here? Yeah, I mean, I, I I definitely think it is because it would put it would vault the 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 Seahawks or it would vault um, it would vault the Dallas. the above above the Eagles. Um, but It'd it would be tied, also- yeah. Right, it would put the Niners at the one seed um, because the Niners beat the Cowboys and then also went into Philadelphia and beat the Eagles. So it would be a huge um, change of pace and would would definitely shake things up in the NFC. But um, you know, I think I think whoever probably wins this game is probably going to win the division. Um, yeah, so and and I lean towards Dallas here with with Jalen Hurts just not looking healthy right now. Dak's looking yeah. like it maybe the MVP favorite at the moment. Yeah, and and the way that Dak Prescott has played the last um, you know, six, seven weeks of the of the season, he's definitely vaulted himself up there to the top of the conversation of the MVP, in my opinion. Um, he's been phenomenal uh with everything that 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 he's done. So um, you know, it it's gonna be it's gonna be a hell of a war, I would say, on Sunday. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, coming up next, it's our uh, Big 12 breakdown. We'll take a look around the uh, Big 12 conference and uh, give our hot takes and some headlines, talk some coaching changes, look at some bowl games, uh, and also some Big 12 hoops in a bit. Chad Withrow set to stop by, coming up uh, later on as well. Uh, and uh, Coach Bo going to be here for the football fix in a bit. It is the Big 12 breakdown. Tyler Jones here, Derek Hagelin, in for Dallas Bridges this week as we give you a comprehensive look around the Big 12 Conference. And uh, we begin each week with our hot takes in the Big 12. And uh, I'll start, and then uh, Derek can get his hot take in on this. Derek, uh, my hot take this week, I'm going to take my talents down to, uh, to Houston, give credit where credit's due. I thought Houston went out of the park with their hire of Willie Frank. Yeah. I yeah. My hot take is that they had the best hire of any program this offseason so far when you consider the quality of coach and bringing to their program of the coach that they could get. I didn't think they could get Willie Fritz. I thought that if he was going to leave, it'd be something bigger than Houston. The fact that they were able to convince him at this late in his career, he's in his 60s, to go ahead and now jump, make the jump to the power five and take that job. He knows how to recruit that area. He's got a unique offense uh, and knows what players to get for that talent. And not to mention all the money and resources Houston's got. This new Big 12 is kind of wide open here. 
I think it's a great hit fit for uh, for Houston here. I thought they hit a home run. That's my hot take this week. What would you make of that hire? Oh, I mean, I love it. You're talking to a guy who's who's a who's a UCM alum who was there for a period of time when Willie Fritz was the head football coach at the University of Central Missouri. Um, he left Central Missouri to go to um, to go to Sam Houston State, and then we all know where he's gone um, from there. I I loved it. I thought that that was the best coach that Houston could get. Um, once Dana Holgerson was, was relieved. Um, I'm not surprised that he went there. Um, I know he's very familiar with Texas. I know he enjoyed his time, um, his time there, uh, when he was in the state at Sam Houston state. Um, uh, so, um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think that was an unbelievable hire by, by Houston, um, I think he was probably the best coach available that was ready to take that next step to a power five program. Yeah. And if, if Tulane wins that game, that he's going to be the head coach at Houston. Um, you know, that might've been hard to walk away from as the conference champ again um, and getting ready for a possible, you know, new year six day bowl. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I, I loved it. Thought Houston made a great choice and uh, we'll see them. I think, not wait very long to compete in uh, this new Big 12 going forward. Derek, uh, give me a hot take uh, anywhere in the Big 12 this week. Uh, you want to go football, basketball, whatever, give, th- throw me something hot here. Um, I think that uh, West Virginia and Neil, Neil Brown would have been let go from West Virginia if they had actually had to play um, some of the top-tier competition in the Big 12. Um, you know, I said it last year going into the offseason that I thought – They had Neil an Brown- easy schedule, yes the easiest schedule in the big 12 uh, that allowed them to go eight and four Kansas played five of the top six teams in the big 12 conference and went eight and four. Um, uh, I believe West Virginia only played one team that was in the top, uh, the top five or six of the big 12. And I believe that that was Oklahoma and they lost that game. Yeah. Um, so it just, it, it, it blows my mind that Neil Brown was, was retained, but it's because of the fact that they were able to go, um, eight and four. I think next year, if they have a tougher schedule, he's gone. Yeah, uh, I think that you know, credit to them for getting to eight wins, but that schedule, everything went right for them, and I think that is his ceiling. They will never do that again as long as he's there. And West Virginia is a decent job, actually. Like they can get a much better head coach than uh, than Neil Brown, and be much better off. And uh, for one way in 2007 from playing for the national championship had Dave Wanstad and Pitt not gone into Morgantown and upset them West Virginia was going to play for the national title that year yeah yeah at white Steve Slayton yeah it's a, it's a great point uh Derek uh I want to take some time to just kind of run through these uh these bowl games here that these big 12 teams are playing kind of go rapid fire uh one by one let's start with with Texas and Washington and we're going to have more time to discuss this game throughout the next couple of weeks so we get closer to the playoff. But um, Quinn Ewers, Michael Penix Jr., two very good quarterbacks. Texas seems to have an edge defensively, top 15 defense. Washington's got about a top 45 defense. Um, I, I, I've, I've liked everything I've seen from Texas this year. They've passed every test along the way so far this season. And, and – Sark playing his old team and everything to me that the, the story for me more than anything that that caught my attention of Texas getting to this point was was Sark to me that was the biggest doubt I had going into this year 
was that this was a guy prior to this season had never won 10 games, not at USC, not at Washington, not at Texas. And they finally put it all together. They looked like complete football team. Um, that, that to me is the biggest surprise of them getting here it is just how far Sark was finally able to come through and, and make it happen here. Yeah, I think that's been one of the biggest surprises um, for me is that, you know, that that progress, that jump that he's been able to make. I'm like you, I, I needed to be um, I needed to be able to see him do it to to be able to believe in Texas because, you know, we've heard forever that Texas is back. But I do truly believe that they are. They won the conference um, title game. They dominated Oklahoma State. Um, you know, that was the big thing. And I think you're seeing it in their recruiting style and their recruiting patterns with how they've been able to, um, you know, make, make, make the changes with getting ready, obviously to make the transition to, um, to the sec and and the athletes, you know, I think, um, earlier on in the season, I had heard something that, um, out of every power five team, um, in the country that, the Texas Longhorns had the most draftable players um, of any school in the country. And that means that of anybody that could receive a draft grade, Texas had, I think it was like 19 or 20 guys that people thought um, could get drafted or could have the opportunity to play at the next level in the NFL. Unbelievable. Um, You know, a lot's going to be made about the quarterbacks and rightfully so. Hot take here, uh, Derek. For me, I I think, Texas's biggest challenge defensively is not actually Michael Penix Jr. I, I think it's how are they going to slow down Dylan Johnson of Washington? That that guy's a dog. Literally, um, pun intended. Um, you know, who, 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 who? Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, he dominated. I, I, I feel like at times in that Pac-12 championship game, um, he was the best player on the field. And – you know, uh, that, that, that's, what's, what's crazy is that, um, you know, he was, he was just so dominant and I I don't know that Oregon, I don't, I, I, I'm not sure Oregon was ready for them to run the ball the way that they did so efficiently and effectively. Um, and I think that that's one of the reasons why Penix was able to dominate so much. I mean, granted Penix is a Heisman trophy candidate, so we're not going to be surprised you know, the fact that he threw for 300 yards and I believe it was three touchdowns. But, you know, I, I do think that that Johnson's ability to run the ball helped alleviate so much and it lightened the box. Um, but also Washington was calling um, was calling some unbelievable plays. I mean, that touchdown pass uh, where they leaked the tight end out where they had him, you know, down block for 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 like a, count, a two count. Then he was just wide open like they knew the Oregon d- defense was going to sell out against the run. And that no one would expect that tight end to be the guy who gets the ball. Um, it was an unbelievable play call, unbelievable game by 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 uh, by UW, um, and it was phenomenal to watch. Uh, last thing on Texas, uh, and then we'll we'll get to these other teams here. Uh, a lot was made about the post game with the SEC chants and your mark getting booed and and, and all of that and. You know, I, I, I got to say, like, Derek, I, I just really don't care. Like, we know Texas is leaving. As much as I like your mark, he did kind of do some chirping at Texas a couple months ago when he you know, publicly called out Texas Tech to beat Texas. Like, I, I hate to admit, but your mark kind of had it coming. Like, 
we shouldn't be surprised that he got booed when when he made those statements previously. Like on, I, I don't actually have an issue with how that that post game celebration, all that was handled. Like we should have no, seen. I have, um, uh, I have no issue with it. Um, uh, at all. I mean, we would have been doing the same thing had he said the same same thing about us. Right, exactly. Um, and so the thing is, is that, you know, you, you sit here and you look at it. He's done some phenomenal stuff for the conference. Um, your mark, that is. You know, there were a lot of times where people thought that um, the Big 12 conference was going to cave and crater. Well, that was the Pac-12. Um, he's done a lot of things, but, you know, it's kind of like that, that the, 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 the little uh, – video of that, that keeps going around of, you know, uh, Cat Williams stand up at the pimp Chronicles, you know, should have been talking shit. Um, if you're, <laughs> if you're, at, if you're at your mark, um, you know, if you want to talk shit, you better be able to, um, better be able to take it and, 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 and receive it in. Um, you know, I, I get it when you said that when you're in Lubbock, um, also understand you're talking to Joey McGuire in Texas tech. Um, just saying, um, you know, had Jason Bean not gotten hurt, I think Kansas wins that game. Um, hashtag still not over it. Um, hashtag free bean. Um, but, um, you know, it just, it, 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 it's funny because it, it, I think it's part of that stereotypical, like East coast, like New Yorker, like I'm better than you. Like I'm, I'm from this area. Like, you know what, like just shut the fuck up and move on. You know what I mean? <laughs> like we all get it. Like, you know, Hey, you're from New York city. You, you pay $4,000 for a 300 square foot apartment. You share a shower with 19 other people. The the community shower. You can't do the community shower. Right. Right. Never exactly. do the community shower. Community bathroom. That's, that's, that's bad. Uh, I, I, I avoided the the community bathroom in a college so much, Tom. Or I'm already calling you Tom. Uh, it only took me 40 minutes in the show to do that. Um, I avoided the community bathroom so much in, in college, Derek, that uh, I would keep a Gatorade bottle by my bed and piss in it, so I wouldn't have to go use the community bathroom, you know, and get up in the middle of the night, you know. So that uh, that was not on my bingo card for uh, <laughs> as to fill in. Uh, enough about Texas. Uh, here, let's go through these other games real quick. Tech taking on Cal in the uh, Independence Bowl. Tech, the most disappointing team in the league this year. Uh, yeah, this is uh, this would be a nice finish to their season if they can find a way to to get a win here and have somewhat momentum uh, next year. I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on uh, Joey McGuire next year. No, I definitely think there is, especially after, you know, the season that, that they, the way they ended the season in 2022 um, and, you know, everything runs through Lubbock. No, nothing really runs through Lubbock. You guys do a lot of capitalizing off of the fact that Patrick Mahomes went there, but even that <laughs> school wasn't so sure on him when they brought him in. Um, so, you know, I think it would be a huge win, not a huge, I'm not going to say huge, Um I think it would be a, a good step in the positive direction for them going into next season, but they just have to learn to not believe all the hype. Like I, I, I did not understand this year going into the season. You know, I think it was what Texas tech finished eight and five last year in the rig after the, after their bowl game. And you had people talking like Brett McBurphy talking about how like they could make the, they could make the fucking playoff. Like right. what, 
made you think last year that going into this year they could make the playoff. Um, I just, I, I just did not understand or, or, or see that um, at all. Again, I say, you know, if 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 Jason Bean finishes the game against Texas Tech, I think Kansas wins. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we'll be able to, we can we can sit here and play that all day, but um, you know, I I, I just don't know. I, I didn't really see it from him defensively. Um, yeah. You know, and and I think it's uh, going to be. Hard because I think there are other guys in this league in terms of coaches who are better at building a program in their image. I, I don't know the image. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm going to say this, like, you know, Willie Fritz going to the university of Houston, you know, the type of way he's going to go about building that program. He's right. We try don't to- know Joey McGuire's identity, the culture that he's trying to establish at Texas tech. Yeah. Well, I- Culture, yes, I understand what what type of culture he's trying to to establish. It's just what is the identity of your team? You know, like we know what we're going to get um, from you know Willie Fritz, who's going to Houston. Right, we right. know it with Lance Leipold at Kansas, where it's hey, we're going to run the ball, we're going to be physical that way. We're, we we know the culture, things of that nature. Um, you know, Mike Gundy, you know what you have with him at um, at at the University of of Oklahoma State, and so. It's just one of those, like, I've yet to see anything from Joey McGuire in terms of, like, what is your culture? Where is it you're trying to go or what is it you're trying to build? Right, right, right. Struggle with that. Um, UCF and Georgia Tech. This is a great example of all records are not created equal. I know UCF has the same record as Texas Tech at 6-6. Six and six, But UCF played a lot better down the stretch. Um, you know, Gus has got some talent coming in. John Rice Plumley was a nice spark over the last couple of weeks here. Um, UCF, nice uh, first year in the Big 12 if they can finish out with a winning record here with a win over Georgia Tech. Yeah, and, and you know, it's it's crazy the way that, that UCF was able to finish the season when, I, I mean, I'm not trying to be demeaning on this. I mean, they had some ass whoopings that they took. Um you know what I mean? I mean, they came up to, to Manhattan and K State dominated them, and then you know a couple of weeks later they came up to they came up to Lawrence and K State. KU put fifty five on them and rushed for th- four hundred yards. And then um, you fast forward to November and they whooped Oklahoma State's ass. Yeah, which is just crazy. Um, just how how that went and and everything else that 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 came with it. Um, so that would be huge for um. If uh, if 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 UCF was able to win this game, uh, and it could propel them going into to next season, that's the thing. I mean, you all these schools that are playing in bowl games that aren't playing in the college football playoff, you're, you're building and setting the the stage for next year too. Right. Um, you know, these 15 practices, all these guys that are young, or all the guys that are going to come back, and you know, this, that, and the other, you're you're building to be able to set the foundation to set you up to go into it for next year. Yeah, th- th- this is just like fall camp, pretty much. You know these these fifteen practices you get. Well, and yeah. and Tyler, about it. This is the last thing that I'll say about UCF, and and we under we both understand it, and we we both know it. I don't think it was really talked about a lot with these teams that were coming into the Big Twelve. Is that there is a difference between having to play a a team as a group of five team and a power five team every once in a while doing things that away. 
But as you go and you're having to do that every single week, there is an acclimation period. And as good as the athletes are that, that UCF has and the offense and everything that they do, there's a, there was an acclimation pro- process. They were not ready every single week to be able to do that. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, 100%. Kate's taking on UNLV in the guaranteed rate poll. A um, couple thoughts from me just on this one here. I mean, I'm not going to complain about going, you know, anytime Kansas is in a bowl game, but no. I am disappointed that we're stuck playing UNLV. I wanted to be a big time quality, you know, power five program of some sorts here. Like UNLV shouldn't be playing in this game. We should be playing, you know, like a Wisconsin or something, you know, like uh, I, I'll take a bowl win, but it it doesn't feel the same with that. With yeah, well, the, it's going to uh, be. The Jason Bean thing, his last swan song, uh, for him to go out, you, you obviously have a new offensive coordinator, and, you know, we, we saw those hirings that came in the last couple of days here. Um, you know, I, I think this is a unique circumstance. Like, you're ending one era, and you're starting another kind of all at the same time right here for, for Kansas here, and to get that long, coveted bull win we've been waiting a long time for. Yeah, and to be able to get to nine wins for the first time since the Orange Bowl season. You know, I was a senior in high school and had a full, luscious, thick, full uh, head of hair. Um, That's how long that it's been since Kansas won nine games in a season. Um, But, you know, this is an opportunity for Jason Bean to avenge, um, you know, how last season ended for him in that triple overtime thrilling loss in the Liberty Bowl to Arkansas. Um, you know, where he, he, he still to this day talks about overthrowing, um, Mason Fairchild, who was wide open, uh, on that two point conversion. This is a big reason why he came back to, to come to Kansas. And I mean, we can, we could sit here and acknowledge it. Tyler had Jason Bean not come back to Kansas this year. They would have been royally fucked with the fact that the big 12 preseason offensive player of the year only played in three games. Bean saved Um, the season. Yeah. Yeah, Jason Bean literally saved their season. Um, and that's a testament to him. That's a testament to the coaching staff and, and everything else. Um, you know, he secured his legacy at KU, but this could go a lot, a lot of this could go really far in, in securing it even even further. I would have loved to have played a Big Ten team. The thing that pisses me off is that UNLV comes to Lawrence next year as a non-con opponent. So why are you doing that? Because they play them like week two or three um, in the non-con. So that's where the head scratcher is. I would have loved to have beaten up on Northwestern or Minnesota or somebody like that. And and not to mention, um, you know, good for Kansas, the fact that they're not really having any opt-outs at all. But, you know, UNLV's quarterback's already in the transfer portal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And he won't play. So, yeah, it's a great point. Um, We mentioned overrated West Virginia at 8-4. and Uh, Take it out of North Carolina. In the Duke's Mayo Bowl, this actually was not. It's not a Big Twelve bowl. They got traded in because the Big Twelve had so many bowl eligible teams. Um, right. Drake May not expected to play for North Carolina, as he'll likely be a top five pick in a next April's draft. Um, with no Drake May, there is no excuse for West Virginia not to win this game and cap off a nine win season here. I agree, but I I hope North Carolina beats their ass. Um, <laughs> I'm- You know, we always try to sit here and say, like, don't ever be personal when it comes to, you know, sports and this, that, and the other. I'm sorry. I've never met Neil Brown, but it's personal to me. Um, I (laughs) 
<laughs> you are on board. Uh, Tom and I have the same exact hate for Neil Brown. We are a very anti-Neil Brown program here. Yeah, yeah. Anti-Neil Brown accounts. We are pro I'm sure that I have – I'll make it clear, too. I'm sure he's a nice guy. I have nothing against him personally. But, like, he, he's been sucking on the tits of West Virginia fans for way too long. Oh, I agree. <laughs> you know, I was surprised they didn't fire him last year, but I was also surprised that they didn't, um, you know, fire him after the Kansas game last year either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oklahoma State taking on Texas A&M. Texas A&M is a mess and, you know, obviously coaching transition and all that. Uh, Oklahoma State coming off a disappointing performance in the uh, Big 12 championship game here. Um, we talk about this period of the you know bowl practices and preparing for next year. Oklahoma State looks like Alan Bowman's coming back. You know, Ollie Gordon the, is coming back as the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year here. Um, Oklahoma State, I think you got to win this game and you got to build momentum for next year because – you're 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 starting next season right now. Yeah, no, you are, and especially with how things looked this year, um, and looked so bleak with 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 this Oklahoma State team. So the fact that they were able to go and and play in the Big Twelve Championship game when a lot of people were calling for Mike Gundy to be gone, um, that 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 is just remarkable the way that their season ended. Um, but yeah, I mean they've got to uh, they've got to be able to build. Um, and and get ready for for next season because this season was kind of unexpected. But with the fact that Alan Bowman and then Ollie Gordon are coming back, that's going to be huge for them um, as they set up to probably be one of the the, the top teams in in the Big Twelve and one of the top offenses, um, especially at the quarterback and running back position going into um, next year. Yeah, for sure. NC State, K State, the Pop Tarts Bowl winner gets to eat the edible. Pop tart mascot, which I still don't understand how that works. Nor do I would want to partake. Um, Let's but, be respectful. Uh, Pop tarts. What's your favorite flavor of Pop Tart? Um, we go with uh, no frosting, um, and we go with uh, cherry filled. Okay, uh, I'm yeah. a strawberry guy. Yeah, I love strawberry. I I, I just think that the cherry. Um, so what we do is we get a little chocolate milk. We 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 take I love it off. To pop that cherry. Yeah. Yeah. We we dip it in uh and we dip it in chocolate milk and we're good to go. Um the start of the Avery Johnson era officially, uh not that Avery Johnson, the other, uh the white Avery Johnson. Uh Will Howard right. gone and enters the portal with uh with Avery Johnson as we, we saw some flashes. He looked really good when we did see him play. The the thing about this is like NC State doesn't have a ton of opt-outs themselves or transfer portal guys. Like this is one of the best evenly matched games of teams that are, you know, preparing for next year and everything here. Like this, this is one of the better bowl games. Like K-State's got a, uh, uh, their hands full here. Yeah. I mean, Brennan Armstrong's opt, opt-out uh, is, is, is under the transfer for Carolina and whatnot. But um, yeah, you know, shout out to Dave Dorn, the, the pride of, um, Bishop Meage High School, um, and you know, uh, enemy of Steve Smith. So, um, you know, it'll be a good game. Um, you know, especially it's just uh, it's been a rough couple of days for K State. Um, I will say with everything that's gone on with with Will Howard deciding to 
to leave. I, I wonder if that's one of those things where he was just unhappy or, you know, maybe he was forced out or, or asked, you know, I had a buddy ask me about the Kyle McCord situation at Ohio state. Like, you know, Hey, this guy started all, all, all season. Well, yeah. You know, sometimes the coaches tell players to leave so that they can try to get somebody else in, you know, Tyler, we've, we've long often talked about the, the bill self of, you know, pat on the back, you know, Hey, you're going to have a great college career. It's just not going to be here at the university of Kansas. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, what do you think about Colin Klein leaving K-State, uh, going to A&M and everything? Um, is that a big deal for K-State? Is that a huge loss for them? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think it is. You know, you know, it was, it was talked about how much of a relationship he had with Avery Johnson and helping recruit him. And then obviously, you know, he was very close with Will Howard for all those years. And, you know, Colin Klein is a legend at, at K-State. He was a guy who, who was a runner-up for, for the Heisman when um, – you know, his his senior year and led K-State to an unbelievable season in 2012 where they were the Big 12 champs and, and played in the Fiesta Bowl and, and ultimately ended up losing to Oregon. But I think this is kind of a case of, you know, he's been one place for so long. He played there. Um, you know, he coached there. He, he started out there um, as a coach, then went to, you know, was promoted to offensive coordinator. Sometimes it's not necessarily leaving and going to where the grass is greener, but wanting to see how you can do outside of your element and your comfort. And, you know, Texas A&M isn't someplace that's familiar to him. Right. So he's able to show, you know, Hey, he's from I, Colorado originally. Right. right. Yeah. But I can have success and, and do it not only here at K state, but I can build another, I can build an offense somewhere else. And that'll be going a long way for a guy who probably at some point wants to be a head coach and run his own program at, at, at some point down the road. Well, and, and and I think if you're a K-Stater, big picture, whenever Chris Kleiman leaves, um, whether it's for another job or if he retires or whatever, the pipe dream is that Colin Klein one day becomes the Kansas State head coach. Um, I don't think Kleiman is leaving anytime soon. And so if, if you're Colin Klein, you got to start thinking about your own interests here. What do I have to do right. to go stand out to do what's best for me and put myself in a position to be a head coach? Maybe he does come back to K-State and he's their head coach someday, but like he, he's got to be thinking about the present and what he can do to put himself in a position to succeed. And he wasn't getting any head coaching interviews at K-State. You go – have a successful offense at, at A&M, you're going to get power five coaching offers. Right. Absolutely. And I think Andy Kodelnicki probably had to do the same thing when leaving Kansas to go to Penn state. Um, you know, he probably wants to run his own program, but you know, it, it's obvious that Leipold this year made the, the comment of this is going to be my last job, barring anything that, that, that is crazy or happens. And, and Cole Nicky, you know, obviously being with that staff wanted to go show that he could do it somewhere else other than Kansas, because, you know, maybe one day, you know, whenever Leipold decides to leave Andy Cole Nicky could come back and be the head coach. But the last thing you want to do is promote that from a guy who has just been on the staff the whole time. You want to be able to see that he's done it somewhere else. Same thing with Colin Klein, whether, you know, wherever Colin ends up after his time at, at Texas A&M um, on Mike Elko's staff, you know, yeah. these guys go other places to prove it. Eric Bieniemy had to go to Washington to show that he could call plays. And now Bieniemy is more likely to get a head coaching job than maybe ever before. Absolutely. Uh, 
and Washington is terrible. Um, right. But he's got a really good offense and the league's leading passer, so he's shown he can call plays. All right, right. A uh, couple more uh, bowl games here. Oklahoma taking on Arizona in the Alamo Bowl. Dylan Gabriel's gone. Sounds like he's headed to Oregon more than likely. Um, Jackson Arnold, the Jackson Arnold era begins, former number one quarterback uh, coming out. He, in the flashes that we saw from him this year, looked really good. Um, we mentioned those bowl practices. Now you really kick in gear, get ready for next year here. Uh, huge opportunity for Jackson Arnold to really get things going and, and start this next chapter. They prepare for the SEC. Arizona, a future Big 12 team in their own right. They've had a great season. Jed Fish has done a really good job. This would be a, a very interesting first test for Jackson Arnold's first career start here, Derek. Yeah, no, it, it would be. And, you know, Arizona coming off a phenomenal season, um, you know, with Jed Fish um, early on in his tenure there at the University of Arizona. Um, bear down, uh, as they say. But, you know, it, it'll be a good game. I, I lean towards the Wildcats in this one just because of the fact that obviously, you know, Dylan Gabriel's decided to leave, which I didn't realize he had another year of eligibility. I feel like Dylan Gabriel was starting college when I graduated, um, and that was nine years ago. Because he uh, was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because he was, um, you know, that guy's played for Gus Malzahn, Brent Venables, and Dan Lanning. Like, what, what a, what, what a world, uh, um, and uh, and whatnot. So yeah, it's 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 going to be. A, I think that'll be a very surprising under the radar game. The Alamo Bowl is always fun to watch. You know, with it being in the Alamo Dome down there in San Antonio and everything. Um, it, you know, Big Twelve always gets that game, so it's definitely going to be something to watch for sure. It has the biggest payout of the non-New Year's Six Bowls. So um, great to be associated with that bowl game and hopefully for many years to come. Last one, Iowa State and Memphis in the Liberty Bowl. Uh, the game in Memphis, so Iowa State's got to play uh, basically a road game, but their fans travel so well. As long as you give them some bush light, they're going to be happy. Um, Rocco Beck, what a story. Iowa State. There was no expectations with that gambling scandal, the players that got suspended, everything. And this freshman from Florida, son of Anthony Beck, played really good this year. Um, I expect Iowa State to win this game and end up with eight wins. Who saw that coming? Yeah, um, especially for, you know, during times of the of the season where it looked like they really were struggling on offense um, just to be able to score. I mean, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that Kansas's defense this year was great, but um, you know, I remember being at the game up in up in Ames uh, when when KU was playing them, and they they struggled to move the ball in the first half. Um, and so the fact that they've got an opportunity to end the season with eight wins, and they went seven and five. Um, you know, I said one of my hot takes, Tyler, if you remember, you know, over the summer on the on the podcast was I said I I, I wouldn't be surprised if 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 they have a bad season, if Matt Campbell might be gone. And it certainly looked like it was trending that way early on in the season when they lost to Ohio on the road. Um, so that was, that, that, that's that been a hell of a turnaround, but that just goes to show you how much they believe in the process and how much they believe in, you know, Matt Campbell and what that coaching staff is selling. And, you know, Rocco Beck has, has definitely helped alleviate um, and take away the distractions that came along with those players at Iowa State, including their dumbass quarter former quarterback Hunter Deckers. <laughs> Hunter Deckers. Yeah. yeah, you know, 
up to the Hickory Pit up there in Ames, though. If you've never been, y'all, everybody needs to go. It's it's a great spot to eat at up in Ames. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Big 12 hoops, real quick. Let's start out in uh, Manhattan uh, with Naquan Tomlinson uh, being kicked off the team. And, you know, what a bizarre situation. You know, we, we know about the refs back in October. Uh, charges were ultimately dismissed. There's been more that came out that I guess he got involved in uh, some fight back in the offseason. And yeah. then he had the president of the university, uh, you know, undermining Gene Taylor, the AD, and, and you know, making him be the bad guy and all this. Like, just a Dr- messy situation for a guy that, you know, was a key player to their Elite Eight team last year. Yeah, you know, I, I I could be wrong on this, Tyler, but I feel like if we worked and and were were working for somebody and had a boss who just kept undermining us and not trusting us to be able to to do our job and and everything, I think we would get annoyed with that. Um, and I I I I think that's probably how how Jerome Tang feels about the Naquan Tomlin situation. I, I I have no disrespect towards you know the president of the university at K State, but I I I I don't think that I could sit here and and if he tried to say anything, act as if he knows what's best for the team and what's best for the individual and Naquan Tomlin over Jerome Tang, who is around him every single day. Um, it's clear that by the way that the season started for K-State, that there was the expectation that that Tomlin was going to be back with the team at some point. You know, he was participating in practice. He was sitting on the sidelines during games. And then to there, have this the, week, the Villanova game. Yeah. Then to have the president of the, the, the university make the decision that um, he's no longer going to be a part of the program. Um, is just completely undermining, I, I think, the credibility and the faith and the trust that you have in Jerome Tang. And we've all seen how things like that work out. At it, 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 it doesn't take long when something like this, where a coach feels that he's been undermined, to leave, you know, look no further than K-State with, with, with John Curry and, and Frank Martin. The right. big thing. And this is way worse. Like you, I can't remember the last time, Derek, I heard of a university president getting involved in something like this. Like we've heard about ADs and such, but a university president, don't don't you have much bigger things to to worry about than, you know, who is suspended, whatnot? Like that is not your job. That is not your responsibility. To me, you know, this is Jerome Tang, like, there's no reason for him to stay at this point. Like he, he, no. he is going to be, he, he, his name came up for a lot of jobs last year. If my own president is going to stand in my way, like what the actual hell? Well, and, and it's one of those things too, where, um, you know, there, there are rumors that, that this relationship is damaged and you're talking about a relationship being damaged nine months after this program was minutes away from going to a final four. Right. That is not good. It should not get to that. Now, if I'm Jerome Tang, I will always say this. Make sure if you decide to leave, you're running to something instead of running from something. 
when Frank Martin left Kansas State, he was running from something and running from John Curry and running as far away. You know, he might have been run into the ocean and he stopped at South Carolina, but he was running to get as far away from 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 uh, John Curry as he could. If you're if you're Jerome Tang, make sure you're running to something, not from something. Now, here's something that's interesting as far as Tomlin goes. Um, because he has not played this year, he is still eligible. He, he graduates this semester. He hasn't been kicked out of school. Saturday. Uh, um, he is still eligible to play next semester. And KU has come up as a possibility. Could you imagine what a turn of events would that be? And we look at this Kansas team. They're good one through four. You add Tom into that equation. Oh, my gosh. I, I would take him in a heartbeat. Yeah, no, I mean, I think he would be a good addition, but I would say this, that if I'm, if I'm Kansas and I'm, I'm Bill Self, um, you need to vet this. You need to find out every single thing that you possibly can. If there's video or anything like that, what exactly happened if Tomlin does decide to, to transfer because of how everything went with Arterio Morris, you cannot afford another, another issue like that. You have to make sure. And you do have an open scholarship because of Ontario Boris, too. You have to make sure that you are fully aware and know all the details about everything. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like, not, you know, you can't have it to where it was the point of, you know, the Kareem Hunt situation in 2018. Oh, well, apparently he kicked a girl. Okay, well, well, what was it? How was it? Oh, he straight up, he didn't, he didn't roundhouse her, but he was about to Seth Rollins curb stomper. Right. And then the video comes. You can't recover from that. Um, One more thing. We mentioned KU. Uh, the game coming up against uh, Mizzou this weekend, obviously a big deal. And, you know, we just hope that they kick the shit out of Mizzou, obviously. But uh, yes. how about T-Rob's jersey getting retired and and having that? Uh, I, I know you love some Thomas Robinson. How big a deal is that for, for him to have that moment here? Oh man, I mean, I, I Thomas Robinson is is one of my favorite Jayhawks. Um, I think that the the coaching job that Bill Self was able to do on that 2012 team that got to the national championship game and lost ultimately to that loaded Kentucky team that had um, Anthony Davis. You know, Thomas was um, you know national player of the year runner up. He was the Big Twelve Conference Player of the Year. But I say, you know, shout out to to Bill Self with the ultimate troll job. Um, of doing this purposely when Missouri was coming to town um, with given his, his, his infamous block um, that Missouri fans still say are a foul, but it was a block. It wasn't a foul. Cause if it was a foul, it would foul. Um, cleanest block in Kansas history, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, Thomas was, was one of my favorite players um, ever at KU. Um, especially, you know, it, it just, it, 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 with with what KJ Adams has gone through this year with the loss of his mother, um, you know, it, it definitely um Thomas's story resonates a lot with you. Um and just the person he was and how he was there for his sister um and everything after all that he had went through with losing so many people in his life in such a short amount of time. Um, you know, he's he's a great story of perseverance and resiliency. Yeah. And a very I had the opportunity to meet him a couple times, um, and he was he was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, very very cool, very happy for him, and 
definitely worthy of that. One more note on the uh, basketball front for the Big 12 um, before we bring in Chad Withrow here. Uh, Derek, Big 12 Big East battle wrapped up uh, a couple days ago. Total domination from the Big 12. Seven and four was the record. Uh, you had KU's big win over UConn. Uh, you had Iowa State beating DePaul. OU beat the crap out of Providence. Uh, you had the we mentioned K State's overtime win against Villanova. Houston took care of business with Xavier. TCU beat Georgetown. Baylor really just manhandled Seton Hall. Um, all the way around, just a strong showing for the Big Twelve here against the second best conference in the country. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean it was it was good. It was huge for for that. You know, obviously led by the. Um, you know, the big time matchup of Kansas and the defending national champion UConn, you know, that looked like that was a raucous environment, unbelievable environment. Um, and, and, and KU needed that. They, they'd gone through a little bit of a lull there for a bit. Yeah, no, they, they, they needed it to, to be able to show, you know, we said, I said last week, you know, it was December 2nd on Saturday last, last week and KU had already played Tennessee, Kentucky, uh, Marquette and UConn. <laughs> I would say that's a, it's a hell of a quad one slate. Um, you know, it just the first month of the season. Um, but yeah, you know, it definitely, it, 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 I think, um, it, the way I would say it is that, um, it, it definitely confirmed that they are a national championship contender and UConn's going to be really good again this year too. So, you know, come tournament selection time, that's going to be a hell of a quad one win. Yeah, I think so. He's Derek Hagel and I'm Tyler Jones, Chad Withrow of Outkicks Hot Mike set to join us next. More to come. Stay with us. Join us now on the program this week. Pleased to welcome in from Outkick's Hot Mike. It is Chad Withrow who makes his debut on the program this week. Withrow, uh, appreciate the time, man. Thanks for joining us. And uh, I mean, so much uh, to talk about uh, here that uh, we'll go over with the college football playoff and the NFL and everything. Uh, thanks for making time. How are we doing, man? Doing great. Appreciate you having me on. Excited to be here and uh, certainly not a dull time of year to talk some football. Oh, absolutely. Chad, I, I got to say, first and foremost, uh, I, I've always been a big fan of Outkick for a long time. You guys, uh, it seems like they're just an incredible job being a part of the conversation now, both in the, the sports world and political world. Amazing to see where that uh, where Outkick's taken off to, man. Yeah, it's fun. You know, I think there was always – it sort of started, uh, you know, with uh, with Clay when, when he started the company as, you know, really a um, – he knew that there was a market not being served and that was a market that kind of didn't want to be served a, a certain political agenda when they were covering sports. Right. So it was kind of the, you know, let's, let's make the sport, uh, let's make the sport the main focus of everything. And it's kind of shifted into, you know, a lot of culture, politics, different things like that at Outkick. Uh, we, we look at ourselves at, at Outkick Hot Mike. We're way more of the sports brand, uh, the sports branch of the tree, if you will. If Outkick is some huge tree you're looking at, uh, but we get into a, a number of issues. We'll, we'll dive into cultural issues. We'll, we'll dive when politics meets sports, also. So we're not afraid to do that. Um, and I think just being, you know, fearless—that part of it—is the biggest key with Outkick, and that's something that Clay wanted with the brand and the company, and that's something we try to do every day: is, is give our opinion. Uh, not have it be fake, not have it be manufactured and be our legitimate opinion and be fearless with it. So we, we've done that throughout. And I appreciate you saying that. That's certainly been our goal. 
Yeah, yeah. And uh, you could see in the results uh, just, you know, how big you guys have taken off and how great things are going. Let's start off with the uh, the college football end of things, uh, Withrow. Uh, the college football playoff uh, going to be the Sugar Bowl, Washington, Texas, Bama, Michigan. The big controversy, if they got it right with Bama and Texas getting in and Florida State being left out. What was your uh, reaction by the uh, selection committee's choice on Sunday there? You know, it's it's hard to argue that it, the the tournament's not right because it's two very good matchups, right, featuring four very good teams. So I'm kind of shifting the argument away from that. And I don't want this to be an anti-Alabama or anti-Texas argument with it. But the way I think it should have been, it should have been formulated was Michigan won, and you could argue Michigan or Washington, number one, honestly, but Michigan won, Washington two, Florida State three, Texas four. Texas getting the head-to-head tiebreaker, essentially, because of that win at Alabama, and then Alabama would be five. Um, if you just tell me, you know, the, the committee loves to go fall back on the, well, if we're not talking about, you know, who is the most deserving, it's the four best teams. I'm thinking to myself, you don't think Georgia's one of the four best teams? If you want to put someone else in there who has one three-point loss this past weekend on a neutral site, who is the two-time defending national champion? You don't think that team with all that talent it isn't one of the, the four best? So <clears throat> that part of it I don't buy, Tyler. And I think that what they did was wrong. You know, they may have gotten to a good conclusion of matchups that everybody's going to watch because we all want to see Alabama and Nick Saban play Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. Texas and Washington, I think, has the potential to be great also. I just feel awful for Florida State. And I think years and years of covering sports, playing sports, everything else, you know, it was the, – the line was always, hey, if you win all your games, just control what you can control. And that's all Florida State did. They couldn't control that their quarterback broke their leg. But they could control their response to it. And they came out and they won their games. They won the ACC championship. They did it with dominating defense. And as a general rule, I don't like the idea of a committee trying to project. I don't want them looking ahead. I don't care what they think is going to happen. I care what everyone thinks happened. And I care what they evaluate as what happened in the season. I think the same thing about the NCAA basketball tournament. You lose a star player. I don't think it should affect your seating in the tournament because it's your resume. Right. You know, that's what we tell people about sports, right? It's about what you can control. And if someone gets hurt, it's next man up. You got to keep playing the games. So I'm really uncomfortable. I'll read Heather Denich's story at ESPN. And she's got the anonymous committee member saying something about, you know, we were just watching the first half of that Florida State Louisville game. And when they couldn't get a first down, we're all very uncomfortable with them playing in the. T- and I'm thinking it's it's going to be a great television product regardless. People are going to tune in. I don't care about your projection of Florida State because I could easily argue, well, Florida State also held a Jeff Brom offense to under 200 yards of offense for the first time in five years in that game. It's a dominating defense. It's a defense that may be the best in the country. I think would be the best in that fourteen playoff. So <clears throat> that part of it bothers me, um, and I, I've been very vocal about Florida State getting hosed in this whole deal. But I also, I'm not. Alabama is a good story. Alabama is a great team. I think the games are going to be fine, and people are going to watch. I just feel terrible for Florida State. I think they got hosed and, and left out in this whole thing. Well, and here's what I wonder, Chad. Um, you know. The TV product element side of it, we know about ESPN's investment, the SEC and the relationship there and the narrative that's out there. You can't have a playoff without an SEC team. 
and everyone points to TCU in the national title game last year, how much they they struggled against Georgia there. How, how much of this, or, or maybe even all of this, was about the TV product of, hey, Bama is going to make for a more competitive game and better ratings than anything we're going to see from Florida State. How, how much did that TV or ESPN's role play in all this, you think? A big part in it. Uh, you cannot tell me that, you know, with the money that ESPN and Disney invest, that they're, they don't have a, a, a voice with a college football playoff committee. I think they absolutely do, whether it be through back channels or, or however. And also just naturally, you know, we had Danny Cannell on yesterday, uh, former Florida State quarterback, former ESPN employee, now working with, with CBS. And he does a terrific job, and, and he's fired up about it as a former Florida State guy. He made a great point. He said, when I knew that Florida State was in trouble, was he said right before uh, Jordan Travis went down or maybe right after, when Kirk Herbstreit started ranting about, I just want good games. I just want the best matchup for good games in the playoff. And he said, that's when I started to think, uh-oh, because Kirk Herbstreit's voice carries a lot of weight in college football. So I think naturally when Kirk Herbstreit starts getting on the pulpit and talking about things like it shouldn't be about most deserving. It should be about the best. Give me the best matchup. When he starts saying things like that, the committee's watching, they're listening, you know, it's in their bylaws also. So I think that has a big factor with it as well. And I'm not saying that Kirk Herbstreit was, you know, Hey, I hate Florida state. I'm out to get these guys screwed over or anything. But I think when Kirk Herbstreit says that he was tired of calling bad semifinal games that we had for years. Now right. you brought up the point this last year was the championship game. That was bad. The, both right. semis were terrific. Right. Uh, TCU, a 51-45 win in the semi over Michigan. So they did their part in the semi. So, again, I, this falls back to me, just the basic, the ground-level stuff. Don't project. We have 13 games or 12 games of evidence. Let's look at that, evaluate who they played, who they beat, how they beat them, do they have a loss, did they win their conference championship, all of those metrics. So much is being made about Florida State being the 55th strength of schedule in the country. Well, Michigan's 47th. Right. That's not much different there. And Michigan's the number one team, right? Now, they dominated for much of the year also, but they struggled with Maryland. Uh, they didn't look impressive against Iowa either in that 26 nothing win. I didn't come away from that thinking, man, this is a team that's going to play a very exciting brand of football in the college football playoff. So, look, it, we love sports because it's the ultimate reality television. Right. And anything can happen. If we went by what Vegas thought was going to happen and what analysts thought was going to happen, well, Oregon was almost a double-digit favorite over Washington, and Washington beat them for a second time. Alabama was almost a touchdown underdog in the SEC championship, and guess what happened there? We don't know what's going to happen. You don't know. I don't know. The committee doesn't know. So just judge what happened, and I don't think they did that in this. Well, and, and, you know, timing is is everything. You know, I, I was thinking about this, Chad. You know, the let's say we had the 12-team playoff this year. I think I could live with Florida State as the five seed having to prove it of sorts with a home game coming up next week against a 12 seed, which I think would be Liberty. I could, I could live with that and be okay with that. But the idea that they're just being left out after an undefeated season as a top-four seed, not even getting a chance at all, that, that's where things just cross a line for me. If, if a 12-team tournament, I, I, I could be fine with them as the five seed in that case. This, this is just just a brutal thing to not not even have a chance at all here. Absolutely. And um, look, and I still would argue I would like to see Florida State as one of the teams of the bye 
in the 12 team format and let's, you know, you get Alabama or Georgia to whip up on Liberty, right? Yeah. At, at home in that game and then, and then move on because that's what would happen. But it's not like it's going to be without controversy a year from now, too. Now, yeah. I'd rather be arguing uh, teams 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 as opposed to teams 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Right. So that, that level of controversy is going to be different. But I mean, I'll just throw out a, a for instance, there's going to be a three loss team next year that is very, very good that everyone knows is either getting healthy at the right time or lost some key players for a couple of games in the middle of the season, but is very talented and no one wants to play that team. And there's going to be a debate about them at number 12 or number 11 or getting left out, right? That team is going to have a Florida State level gripe. Now, n- not the same because they didn't go undefeated, but they're going to think, man, we got screwed over in this thing and we could have won the whole deal. There's going to be a team that's sitting right out there at the outside with a legitimate shot of we could beat the teams number one, two, three, and four that are getting the bye in the in the tournament. And look, we we love controversy in sports too. We love Selection Sunday for that reason. We argue over teams 68, 69, 70. So right. we're definitely going to argue over college football teams 12, 13, and 14. But there's going to be a lot of discussion about that too. Uh, now, it's a lot easier to leave someone out with three losses, granted. Right. I understand that. But we're still going to be sitting there thinking, man, this team only had one loss, but their schedule was terrible. This team had two. But this team has the better wins with three losses. We're going to continue to debate this. I'll be right back here on with you next year at this time, and we'll be talking about the teams that were left out at 13, 14, and 15. Yeah, we'll make it happen. Uh, I mean, you look at Oklahoma would have been the first team out, and they beat Texas on a neutral field. So. Yeah. Um, who knows what an Oklahoma team could do in, in that type of 12 team format. Um, as far as the four teams that are in though, uh, with who, who do you like of those four teams, uh, to potentially win it all right now? Well, here's where I, I'm going to sound, uh, you know, crazy contradicting myself in a way, but I like Alabama the best, right? I, I do. I mean, I think that when Jalen Milrow hit Isaiah Bond for that fourth and 31 play and I'm watching it against Auburn it's like a a light bulb went off and I said that feels even more significant than winning the iron bowl and only carrying that one loss, the SEC championship. I felt like that is the start of something bigger. They go on and beat Georgia. They find their way into the the playoff. And I think the response from Michigan, when they found that it was Alabama, not Florida state tells you a lot about what they wanted to see happen. I think Alabama has only gotten better and better. I mean, you go back to the loss to Texas then the next week they play at South Florida and they're rotating quarterbacks and it they're just lost. Their offensive line can't block anyone. And I mean, it's amazing to see the transformation of, of both lines of scrimmage for them. Nick Saban defenses always get better. They got better again this year. That didn't surprise me. But the way they're playing right now and, and the way Jalen Milrow's playing, I think Alabama as the four seed wins this thing. Now, none of the four teams would shock me. Yeah, you know, I think Washington's the one probably slept on a little bit. Just the the people uh, assuming the assumption is that Texas and either Michigan or Alabama will play. But I love this Washington team. They remind me of TCU of a year ago, not just because they're purple, but because they find a way to win very close games over and over again throughout the year, much like that TCU team that were sort of the cardiac kids of the playoff field. That's Washington this year. Um, None of these teams will surprise. Then Michigan's been dominant throughout the year. So I think it's Alabama, though, but. It's a, it's a good it's a good playoff field because we really have no idea and you can pick any one of them. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right about that. The way Milrow has progressed, uh, so much better than what he was at the beginning of the season. Yeah, uh, I'm watching out there for sure. We'll see what that Alabama team does. 
Uh, let's move on uh, transition over to the National Football League. Uh, let's, let's start with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and company, it doesn't look right. Like we're we're accustomed to seeing that receiving core has got so many problems. Um, is it time to panic in Kansas City, or is Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, you think, going to find a way to figure this all out when it matters? Definitely not time to panic, but there, there's time to be a little bit concerned because – I would have thought they would have figured things out offensively by now, right? Or at least look like they're on the path to really figuring things out. And they just haven't. That defense has had to carry them uh, at times this season. Now, that's good news for Kansas City because as long as they can just find their way into the playoffs and then they can figure it out, which I still think they will because of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and all the names that we know and a track record of figuring it out. I think they're going to do that. And if they can rely on their defense in the meantime, that that's a good sign for Kansas City. So I'm not ready to panic yet, but I am a little bit more concerned than I thought at this time of year because I really thought as the calendar flipped to December, we'd be talking about Kansas City. Okay, now they know what they are. Now they know what they need to do offensively, and we're seeing more and more of it. We haven't really seen that yet. Maybe it starts you know, this week against against Buffalo, but – I haven't seen that as much so far that I thought I'd be seeing this time of year. Yeah. Uh, and you look at that AFC. I mean, everybody's flawed of some sorts, Chad. I mean, the Ravens, I don't know who they are without Mark Andrews. The Dolphins haven't beat uh, a great team yet. The Jags are going to be without Trevor Lawrence here. I mean, everybody has got some weakness of some sorts among those top teams. We thought that the AFC would be the point of strength, right? You know, right. we know the top of the NFC and the power there, but coming into the season, it was man, who are you going to take in the? Who's going to make the playoffs out of the AFC? Same thing a year ago, and I'm with you. It, it's hard to to pick one team and say this is the one that is going to be a tough out for anyone in the Super Bowl this year. When you look at Philadelphia, San Francisco, and Dallas in the NFC, the three powers there, they they look better to me, than that hodgepodge in the AFC. Now, it's going to work out where someone's going to get hot at the right time and we're going to be entering the playoffs saying, watch out for this team in the AFC. And it may not be the number one overall seed in the AFC. Maybe someone else that's getting hot at the right time. I would look at Buffalo as a team right now at 6-6, six and six, that there's that cluster of 7-5, and 6-6 six and six teams that are trying to get in the playoffs right now. And they there's only one that has Josh Allen at quarterback, right? There's a lot of Gardner Minshew – uh, there's C.J. Stroud as a rookie quarterback. I'm looking at Josh Allen and thinking that's the guy who needs to get it going. And I know that his schedule is very tough because they still have Dallas. They have Kansas City. That They've got tough games coming up. They've got Miami also. But that that's a Josh Allen type thing to do, right, is to just carry his team on his back and get them into the playoffs. And he's the guy most capable of doing that. So, Maybe Buffalo becomes that team if they get in the playoffs that gets hot at the right time. Um, but overall, I, I think it's Miami. But as you mentioned, Miami has a hard time beating the best teams in the league when they've gone head-to-head with them. So I, to me, Miami is the scariest because of that offense and Tyreek Hill and the speed of that team. But in terms of just best team, I, I'm at a loss like everyone else. I, I don't know who I'd really go with right now. It's kind of Miami by default. Yeah, uh, I guess the Jags get left out of the uh, fourteen playoff uh, without their quarterback, uh, especially with Trevor Lawrence. You know, not getting on the cart and uh, being carried off the field, hobbling. But he, I mean, he, 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 yeah. he may start this this weekend, which is crazy uh, the yeah. way it looked on Monday night. So uh, who knows? But 
I'm not as high on Jacksonville either way. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree. Um, you know, with, with Buffalo, what's interesting, you know, this is a team that that's had their struggles, but we've seen them fall off in the postseason the last couple of years. Um, you know, if there were ever a time to get this figured out, it's right now. We know the talent one through fifty three is so good on that team, but they haven't been able to play put it all together. What what do you think that is? What why why do you think this Buffalo team, as good as they they look on paper, haven't been able to put it all together, you think? Well, I'm curious to see what happens with Sean McDermott if they don't put it together and don't get in the playoffs. Yeah. And that sounds crazy because of all the success he's had. And I don't think Buffalo is an organization to do that, to make a move because they don't go to the playoffs. But, I mean, if you could go back and hit rewind and play and rewind and play again on Josh Allen's post-game press conferences – where he's angry and he's very blunt and he's saying, we're, I don't know. It's like, it's terrible. I was terrible out there. Turnovers. I keep talking about turnovers. Turnovers have been a problem for two years with me. I got to fix it. I don't know what to do. I'm at a loss right now. This feels like a real low moment at this point. I mean, it's just every week it's this alternating. That's why they're six and six It's alternating. Hey, we feel pretty good about this effort. We're starting to figure it out. Then the next week, rock bottom again, a bunch of turnovers, a bunch of, at some point, you you are what you are. You are consistently inconsistent. And, and that's what Buffalo is right now. And I don't know. I mean, you look at the coach first and foremost. I look at the quarterback also that's been terribly inconsistent but has the ability to be the best quarterback in the league. So I, I, it, it's hard to put your finger on one thing with Buffalo other than to say that they're just consistently inconsistent at this point in the year. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a great point. Uh, let's move over to the NFC side now. Uh those three teams you mentioned, Dallas, San Francisco, and Philly. San Francisco with a dominating road win uh, there against Philadelphia a couple days ago. Uh, who's who's the best of those three? Uh, who stands out to you, Chad? I, I still think it's Philly, um, even after the loss to San Francisco. San Fran got their revenge uh, for losing their quarterback and having all those issues in the NFC Championship game, so, so good for them. Um, they had a few weeks where they weren't very good either. You know, the, everybody's gone through – some of those lulls throughout the season. But overall, I think I think Philly uh, is the team to beat. As long as Jalen Hurts, and this is you said it's about any team, but as long as Jalen Hurts is healthy, um, I think he's going to be the MVP. And I think Philly, top to bottom, has the best team. San Francisco's right there. I think Dallas is right there from a roster standpoint. I just – I still have a hard time believing in, in Dallas, right? I have a hard time believing that Dak Prescott is going to lead them to a Super Bowl – uh, until I see it. But I, I think they're every bit as good talent-wise and roster-wise as Philly and San Francisco. It's going to be fun. When those teams get a chance to meet up in the playoffs, and that's going to happen to some extent, those are going to be fun games to watch. But if I had to handicap it right now, Tyler, I'm going Philly 1, San Fran 2, Dallas 3. But it's all very close. Well, in, in the Dallas team, uh, you mentioned you know Dak and – uh, you know, the the doubt and his abilities to take a team to a championship. A lot of doubt in their head coach, too, and Mike McCarthy and some of the decisions he's made. What's the, the bigger issue, you think, between the two? Is it Dak or is it McCarthy? I think it's probably Dak, but it's going to be Mike McCarthy that's gone if they don't win big in the, in the playoffs. And, I mean, with Jerry Jones at this point, with the roster that he's assembled and his age and wanting to win another Super Bowl – I honestly think that if they don't get to the Super Bowl, that McCarthy might get fired. I don't think NFC Championship game 
for instance, would be enough for him to, to keep his job. And that's a big ask when you look around the conference. I like they're head and shoulders above Philly and San Francisco. In fact, I just listed them third amongst those teams. But I think that's going to be the, the lack of patience with Jerry Jones at this point. It is definitely a combination of both, Tyler, but I'm putting more of that responsibility on the quarterback than Mike McCarthy. But it's ultimately going to be – it's not going to be Dak Prescott that's fired. Uh, it's going to be Mike McCarthy that's fired. We mentioned uh, San Francisco in that mix, and the big question mark for them, Brock Purdy, second-year quarterback out of Iowa State. Um, what's your confidence level in, in Brock of, of getting this team to to where they need to go? Do you, you think Brock's capable of getting the job done? I do, and isn't it crazy, though, that every time we start to ask questions about Brock Purdy, he answers it in the affirmative and shows that he can be whatever you know people claim he can't be and kind of proves people wrong. And I, I'm guilty of this, too, because I'm I'm legitimately, I think on our show yesterday on Hot Mike, I even asked the question, can Brock Purdy win a Super Bowl? Do you look at Brock Purdy and see that as a, as a Super Bowl winning quarterback? We know what he's done this year and how good he's been in that San Francisco offense, but is he a guy that's going to win a Super Bowl for San Francisco? So I, I'm guilty of it, too. I think ultimately he is, but of the quarterbacks that we're talking about, you know, where does he rank? Not Not as high as some others. Yeah, well, and and I think, Chad, the, the time has come and gone of you can't win a Super Bowl without a franchise QB anymore. You know, you're, you're not going to see a Nick Foles type win a Super Bowl. If it's going to be a Brock Purdy or a Dak Prescott type, they're going to have to play at a franchise level to get their team over the top. Uh, if, if he can play like that, then, then, then certainly. Yeah, I, look, I think both those guys are franchise quarterbacks. They've proven that. Um, I think the, the thing with San Francisco is unique in that Kyle Shanahan has shown with Jimmy Garoppolo, he doesn't have to have a top 10 quarterback yeah. to win at the highest level and to get to a Super Bowl. And so that was kind of the knock on Brock Purdy. I think Jimmy Garoppolo's team success right. sort of hurt Brock Purdy. But what Purdy's doing is better than anything Garoppolo did. And I think Purdy's way better than Jimmy Garoppolo. So we'll probably unfairly cast him as just the next mediocre 49ers quarterback to do great things because of Kyle Shanahan's superior system. We yeah. probably gets the negative knock for that, but really what he's doing is better than Jimmy Garoppolo. And I watch him play and I watch his ability and his decision-making. And I think he's better than Garoppolo. He is a top quarterback in the NFL. Um, but is he, a, am I, if we're just out in the schoolyard, you know, taking picks of quarterbacks and I'm drafting, where does he get drafted? Is it six, seven, eight, and yeah. all the guys we're talking about are ahead of him, probably, you know, probably that's the way it's going to go for him, but it still doesn't diminish anything he's accomplished. What do the Lions uh, factor into this equation here in the NFC, you think? They're an interesting one because that's another one that the roster is very solid. Um, you know, Green Bay is, is coming on now too, stay, yeah. sticking in that division, which is crazy to see, but Jordan Love looks great. They get the win on Thanksgiving over Detroit and they beat uh, KC on Sunday Night Football, some some prime time, prime window type games where they've looked really good for America to see. Um, I think Detroit, Jared Goff has really impressed me because that's a guy I thought was never going to be able to get over the hump in his career. And he's done a really good job uh, with that team. Um, I think Detroit is in that group or probably that team right behind those top three. So I'm not factoring them in for much more than, you know, probably divisional playoff round this year but regardless it's gonna be a tough out in the playoffs because they're another team with a really really good roster top to bottom 
Yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. Uh, got time for a couple more questions, uh, then we'll wrap up here in a bit. Uh, Chad, I, I got to ask you the the question that's on everybody's minds. Uh, do you think we see Aaron Rodgers here soon? Uh, you know, he was on the McAfee show the other day, and you know, he made clear his intentions he wants to play. But at four wins, where the Jets are at, does it benefit them to even even risk it to put Aaron Rodgers out there? What what, what do you think of? the Rodgers situation going on? Uh, I don't think there's any chance he plays. Uh, I think he probably could if they were in the playoff mix, but they're not. Then it's a team that's going nowhere. They're going back to Zach Wilson now. So, look, the smart thing, and Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is an extremely smart guy, and he knows this. He wanted to show the media that said he couldn't come back quickly or this season that he could. So he's done that by being activated for practice, by moving around, by throwing, by doing all those things. But – it will be an Aaron Rodgers and an organizational decision to not let him play in games this year and get completely healthy for next season because this isn't a playoff team. They're not going to make it even if Aaron Rodgers enters the lineup right now uh, the way they've been going. So I think he's going to sit. I, I don't think he's going to play. Now, Aaron Rodgers proves people wrong all the time, could prove me wrong here, but I think they're going to go ahead and, and rest him and get him back 100% for next season. And in the meantime, we get to hear Aaron Rodgers on Pat McAfee's show chastising the organization for leaks and for everything else. So he's sort of the, the police officer of the Jets organization in the meantime, looking over their shoulder at everything they do as he gets ready to come back next season. Yeah. And I, I think, too, going into next year, every decision he's, he's going to be allowed to have some say in it, whether it's keeping Sava or making any coordinator changes. Uh, yeah, that it'll be interesting to see how that team looks in his image next well, year. Look, Nathaniel Hackett is probably fired midseason for any other team. I mean, he's yeah. terrible. Even with these quarterbacks, look at what Tommy DeVito does with the Giants. Mm-hmm. And then think about that. I mean, you you're allowed to do something offensively. Um, you know, even with bad quarterbacks, you can get more out of it than that. I think Nathaniel Hackett has been terrible other than his time with Aaron Rodgers, because Aaron Rodgers is the offensive coordinator. But right. Aaron Rodgers loves Nathaniel Hackett probably because he does what he asked him to do and they work well together. So Aaron Rodgers, you talk about being a part of decisions. I mean, that's the only reason Nathaniel Hackett is going to keep his job this year and come back next year. Cause in any yeah. other organization without Aaron Rodgers, he's fired. Oh yeah. And if he, li- I don't know the relationship with Robert Sala as well, but if he likes Robert Sala, Robert Sala is going to come back and coach the team. If yeah. he doesn't, then he's going to appoint someone else he knows as head coach of the Jets. So again, I, I'm not really joking about him being the main investigator, police officer uh, of the. He's the he's the auditor that comes in, right? He's the IRS guy that's overlooking everything with the Jets and deciding what to do this offseason. Yeah, it's a great point. Uh, the team in your backyard there in in, in Nashville, Tennessee Titans. Uh, obviously, the season didn't go the way that they wanted. Uh, you know, Will Levis came in, and uh, you know, questions about Mike Vrabel's future. I- I've always been a Vrabel fan personally. What What's going to go on with the Tennessee Titans beyond this year? What's uh, What's their future look like uh, from from what you're seeing, Chad? Well, they got to continue to evaluate Will Levis to see if he's the franchise quarterback because that's the biggest part of these last few games. Quite frankly, they need to just keep losing uh, these last games. They've become very accustomed to that the last year and a half. So keep losing, get a top five draft pick. If you can get Marvin Harrison Jr. or get a difference maker on offense, you you do that if you're the Titans. But Tyler, they got to find out if they've got their franchise quarterback or, or not, and they're going to continue to have opportunities to see Will Levis at work and in action in games. He's playing behind a terrible offensive line. 
that doesn't give him a lot of uh, chances. Pass catchers are getting a little bit better for him. Uh, that was better against Indy this past weekend. So continue to get that good evaluation of Will Levis. I think Mike Vrabel is going to be around uh, this offseason. There's some weird friction between him and Rand Carthon, the new general manager. So they got to figure that out. They got to get on the same page. But, I mean, it's a, it's a team that is squarely in rebuild mode. And you can rebuild it a lot quicker if you're working with a second-round rookie contract for your quarterback and not having to draft a quarterback in the top five again this next year because you don't think Will Levis is the guy. So that would help them a lot if Will Levis can show that he's the guy because they're going to have a lot of cap room this offseason to go out and get free agents. And that changes their draft strategy big time of what they can do early in the in this next year's draft. Um, that's where they are right now, a team trying to rise back up in the AFC South. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Uh, Chad, before we go, uh, I, I got to say, you know, uh, went out and uh, visited uh, you guys set up uh, a while back and love everything there of in the distillery and all that. What is uh, – what what's the drink of choice for you when uh when you're enjoying yourself there at Six and Peabody and tell the folks about this experience if, if they haven't come out and seen this before what they could go see there uh at uh, in Nashville. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. We get people kind of peeking in our studio. We like to open up the the curtains and let people peek into our show every day. Uh, Sixth and Peabody is the home of Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer, and it is a distillery and a brewery all in one. The facility takes up an entire city block in downtown Nashville, just to give you an idea of how big it is indoor and out. Uh, they've got basketball goals. They've got cornhole. They've got the largest indoor and largest outdoor television screen in the city. They've got a separate bar area outside by the distillery. It's a ton of fun. We're in a corner of the, the facility with our studio. We get to be there every day around tourists, around locals in Nashville coming in to, to check things out. It's a lot of fun. Um, they've got a lot of seasonal moonshine right now. I'm trying to think of my favorite drink there. Um, there's like a uh, – they actually have a drink for our show, and it's okay. a blackberry lemonade uh, okay. concoction that they made, and that's one of my favorite. I'm a big cerveza guy, so if you like beer, uh, I, yeah. I love Mexican beers. They have a cerveza lime with lime infused in it. That okay. I really like. That's a beer they have. That's probably my my casual drink of choice. But it's a lot of fun. They got plenty to choose from. Uh, they've got a new bourbon that they've distilled. Also a popcorn Sutton bourbon that's really good. So come check it out, man. We loved uh, seeing you when you came in town to visit, and would recommend everyone if you're in Nashville, swing by Six and Peabody and come say hi. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely looking forward to swinging back by next time I'm in town. But uh, Chad, appreciate the time. And more welcome to have you back anytime in the future, man. Where can people uh, follow you and also uh, catch the show, man? So at the Chad Withrow on uh, X, as we go by now, um, Chad underscore Withrow on Instagram, if you want to follow. Uh, just follow the show at, at Outkick. Uh, we're on all the Outkick social media channels. And uh, best way to watch us probably moving forward, just go to Outkick.com. Uh, when we're on uh, 3 to 6 Eastern time, 2 to 5 Central, you'll see our show in a box at the top of the screen. You can click that box and expand it and watch it as as long as you want without being cut off or cut away from it like you would on X. So probably the website is the best place to find us now, outkick.com, every day, 3 to 6 Eastern time. Well, Chad, I uh, appreciate the time. Uh, send my best to Hutton, and uh, we'll talk in down the line. Thanks for joining us, man. Will do, Tyler. Appreciate you, buddy.
We now make the triumphant return to Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisor Group. You can find O'Connor Advisor Group online, oagks.com, o'connoradvisorgroup.com, and the Coach Bo Knows Podcast is back. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, Coach Bo joins us right now. Bo, welcome back. Good to hear yeah. from you. You took uh, a couple of weeks off, but uh, welcome back to the show, man. How are we doing? Uh, man, pretty good. It's been a been a few weeks now, and I appreciate it. And uh, anybody listens to the Coach Bono's podcast, taking a little time off there too, just personal and business stuff, and just trying to went on a little vacation. Good. Yeah, I took a vacation in the middle of all of it too, so that was kind of nice. Um, so a lot going on, but uh, now we are in December, and I can't believe we're in December already. And um, you know, here at OAG, we are this is our slowest time of the year. It's kind of cool because we can do some stuff, get ready for the next year but it's also the best time to get with us. So if you're someone who has changed jobs last couple of years and you got that old 401k and you get that statement and you go, what am I going to do with this? Call us up, man, hit up OAGKS.com. Send a message. You can go, you can give me a call. We'll name the number here again in a moment. Hit me up at brian.oconnordlpl.com. Hey, you can check us out. We will be glad. I will do it myself. I will chat with you, kind of get an idea of what you need to do, and we'll help you out. This is the best time of year to get started with planning for 2024. In 2024, we get to January, everyone's going to be getting ready. They're going to go back to the gym. You know how the gyms are January 1. Oh, yeah. Everyone shows up in there. Everyone wants to get their body right, and their mind right, and their money right. Do it now. Do it now. Let us help you. Let us be your partner. And we appreciate the Jones Report for letting us be their partner. Thank you, Tyler. You know, uh, it's funny you mentioned about this time and everything, Bo. I was thinking about it. Um, it was this time in 2020 when I officially became a client at uh, OAGKS.com. And I uh, haven't looked back ever since. Uh, and uh, I've seen my money grow, you know, with with O'Connor Advice Group. And you can too. So, yeah, we're not we, – we, we mean what we preach here when we say this about this time and taking care of business. So and it's the best time. It's the best time of year because I got time. Every every day I've got time for new clients this, this this part of the year. And come January, it does get a little harder to do it. We're still I'm still gonna do it. This means I gotta work more hours. But I'll get you. Thanks again. Of course. Paul, uh, let's start on the college football side of things. Yeah. Um the way that I frame this when it comes to Florida State and Alabama in the committee and all this, Bo, I'd be curious how you feel about this. I think two things can be true. Bama deserved to get in, point A. Point B, it still sucks for Florida State, and you can still feel bad for Florida State. It is shitty. I am the first to admit that. But – Sometimes you got to make tough decisions, and that's what the committee had to do here. This was the right decision, but a tough decision. Yeah. So I first off, I'll say the right four teams are in. Yes. I, I could sit here and argue that Georgia should be in as the fourth team, but I'm not going to. I don't see which the one that I would take out would surprise everybody. So I'm not going to go there. But as far as the Florida State thing, I think you're absolutely right. You can be both sad for Florida State and say they got it right. Now, I watched the Florida State-Louisville game. The Florida State's defense was phenomenal in that game. Offense was horrible. But there's just no other way to put it. And the reason it's important to understand that is because from week one to week nine or eight, whatever, when Jordan Travis got hurt, 
he carried that team. He really carried that team. That defense wasn't that good weeks one through nine. They've gotten good in the past month. And I think it's important to note that and to say, look, that team's not as good without Jordan Travis. This is the same as if you took J.J. McCarthy off of Michigan, if you took Milrow away from Alabama, if you took that one major player, if you took Penix off Washington, is Washington in this game? No. No. And, and that's and that's not a knock on the team. You can be – Florida State can be deserving and not make it. They're not mutually exclusive. I think that – and they've said from the beginning, the, the committee has, that the goal in the end was we want the best four teams. I'll tell you why it's screwed up, in my view. It screws up. It's screwed up because we had to have a TV show for the last six to eight weeks of here's our top six. Look, we had the top six we're going to talk about, but only four making the playoffs. And we had to have this one on Monday night or Tuesday night, whichever night of the week it was. I think it was Monday night. Tuesday. And we had to put it on between basketball games when that started, and we had to – we had to have something that we could watch on ESPN. In the end, the committee got it right. They made some Florida State people mad. But at the same time, it's just a TV show. It's all said and done. Is it going to give us a champion? Yes. But are we still going to argue who the best team is? Because let's say this happens. Let's say that Alabama wins this thing. Alabama beats Michigan. And then Alabama wins against Texas or Washington, whichever team it is. Do you think Georgia is going to sit there and go, you know what? They beat us by three points. We won every other game for the last three seasons. They got us. They got lucky and beat us. We're a better team than they are. What happens if Texas wins this thing? Georgia has every right to say we're the national champ, especially especially if they win their bowl game and beat Florida State. If Florida State wins the ball game against Georgia, then Florida State's got an argument for being the national champion. We've had split champs before. Remember the BCS? Yeah, when the BCS and AP splitting championships. Yeah, 03 it happened. The BCS crowd LSU is the champion, but USC wasn't in the BCS. They weren't one or two. They were undefeated, and they ended up winning their ball game, and the AP made them the number one team. That's another thing, too, real quick on that. Yeah. Um, I don't know how the college football playoff has not gotten these teams to sign an exclusive agreement where that says if you're going to be participating in our system, you cannot claim a national title from someone else other than the college football playoff. And why they can't send cease and desist letters to the AP yeah. says you cannot declare a national title for our sport. You don't see them declaring a, a Super Bowl the – the Super Bowl champion of the AP. Yeah, so here's my thing about that. I, I don't disagree with you, but, I, but I'll put it out there like this. In the end, the playoff is going to technically give us a national champion. Right. That's really not what the playoff is for. The playoff is to give ESPN and ABC some content. Yes. And to raise this money and to get this money for everybody. That's what really this is about. Yes. And they're going to expand it to 12 teams next year. 
And there's some ups and downs and some good and bads to that. Like 12 is too many, in my view. The 12th team this year should not be in this tournament. You can always argue four versus five, five, four versus six in this case. But we got six really good teams. Georgia's just as good as everybody in this playoff. Hell, Ohio State's just as good as everybody in this playoff. I disagree with that. I, I think that Kyle McCord held that team back. I do agree with that. But I think that if you go and look one through one through twenty two, and those twenty two players in the field, how is that? How is that any better than what Georgia? Is? Well, uh, Georgia was held in back this whole season than their quarterback. Their Carson, quarterback Beck looked, Carson Beck looked a lot better in the second half of the season, much like Milrow did. I, I was much more confident yeah. about Georgia's offense than I was yeah. Ohio yeah, State. See, I, I just I slightly disagree on that, but uh, but but I could tell you that Ohio State will be just as good against Washington. Now, I'm not saying they should be in this tournament. They shouldn't. They lost the game against Michigan. And they got beat in that game. That was a game you got beat up in. The the team, and I remember texting you this when we watched the game on Friday night. I was wondering if this committee was going to say, you know what, the Pac-12 is not part of our thing going forward. Screw Washington. Because that's the team that's the worst of the four. They've been very inconsistent the last two months. And there's a team that we thought, hey, we thought week two they'd be there. And they had some games, weeks eight, nine, 10, 11, where it's like, ooh, they got some scares in there. But teams, you know, championship teams find ways to win too. And I, I think that deserves credit. Well put. Yeah. Point taken. So I, I do think that there's something to that. In the end, it's going to be interesting. We got a little ways to go before we get there. But I think that the committee got it right. But I also – I don't subscribe to the theory that Florida State got screwed. Right. But I do think it's too bad Florida State didn't get in there well, because they have played a hell of a – and they did it. They did the one thing that the non-SEC schools have been asked to do for the last few years. It was schedule a big non-con game. They did Florida two of them, by the way. Did, and Florida State did that. They beat up LSU week one. I mean, in that game, Jordan Travis was the Heisman Trophy winner. I mean, he looked great in that game. And they beat Florida State without – or they beat Florida without Jordan Travis yeah. on the road. And, and it, so when you do that, it's like, okay, you, you, you kind of did what you asked. They, they did everything they were asked to do. That, that's in the, the end. The that's what's got to be the frustrating part if you're Florida State is that you Absolutely. did everything that you were asked. And Absolutely. still got left out. As far as the 12-team thing goes, if – this all happened next year, Bo. I could sit here and I could – I would be more than fine and okay with, all right, Florida State's the number five seed. They got to play a home game. They don't get a top four seed. Now let's see what they're really about. See how they do against a, a, a playoff team. I guess they'd be it's playing like Liberty, like Liberty or something. Um, yeah. But let, let, let's see them put to the test. Like I would – I think no one would actually lose sleep over that. Uh, yeah. of them being the five seed and in having to not get the first round by. Yeah. And I think that, I think you're right. Cause there would have been two or three other teams deserving of that first round by, and we're going to always argue about something. Right. It's just human nature. But yeah, I mean, Florida state would have been the five seed. They would have gotten the home game. They would have gotten an easy ticket. They would have got Liberty who would have been the last seed because they're the highest non power. Right. It would have been about probably uh, at least a 14 point favorite. It, I don't, 
yeah, 10, 15, I mean, something like that. You're, you're probably right. And we'll see what happens. You know, you get to, get to go out there and play it. And then if you do get something going, go at your second round, your second string quarterback gets back and he's playing well and you like that kid. And all of a sudden you got a month to prepare. Yeah, you got some things going here. So but I, of the of the four teams in the playoff ball, yeah. I really like what we ended up with here with the Pilots of Florida State. I think all four of these teams are capable of winning the national title. Uh, who is your early favorite right now? Who do you like the most of those four? I hate to say this, but I like Alabama. <laughs> I, do. I, I, I like Alabama. I think that Alabama gives Michigan the one thing Michigan hasn't dealt with, a team that both plays good defense and can control the offense. They control the ball on the offensive side and, and make it hard. That's going to be a great game. Yes. It's going to all come down to really and truly who gets ahead in that game. If either one of those teams get up two touchdowns, that game probably over. Yeah. If you see one of them get ahead, whether it's Alabama or Michigan, and if Michigan gets way ahead, they're going to win because they can control the clock with that run, that run team, that run. Bama's not as good against the run as they have been in the past. We've seen a couple people have big run games against Alabama. I mean, look what Jaden Daniels did. Um, there's a couple others, a couple of teams that run the ball against Alabama a little more this year. Uh, Auburn did, you know, that kind of thing. So I think when you look at it, that could be, that's going to be a great matchup. The other one, I'm surprised I'm saying this one. I think Texas is really good. I do too. Texas just, look, Texas. And they're getting hot it, at the right time. Those last yes. two weeks, they looked better than any team in the country. Yeah, well, Texas knew, as they say, they knew the assignment. They knew that they had to go into the Big 12 championship, win it, and win it convincingly. And there was never a time in that game where Oklahoma State was in the game at all. No. From the kickoff to the end, I mean, there was just never a time, if you're an Oklahoma State fan, and I know Tom's not on with this, God bless you, Tom, there was never a time where they were in that game whatsoever. Texas knew, and they kept going, and they kept going, and they knew we got to beat them by 20. No, we got to beat them by 30, and they just got to keep going. It was like it was like playing your wife in Uno. Like, you're playing, like if you're a married man, you just laugh your ass off because your wife's always throwing the cards at you in Uno. I'm a bad Uno player. Good poker player, bad Uno player. And I never will beat my wife. Figuratively and literally. But, um, but no, you uh, you look at that and you go, okay, they knew the assignment and they did it. And, man, I Texas is good. They're for real. And I do find it funny that they're the last. They're the, they win the Big 12 championship on the way out. So I thought that was kind of – as an SEC guy, that was kind of cool because now, yes, he's the Big 12 champion gets kind of the SEC and realize what real football is. We can't Next, next year. It just means more. It just means yeah. more. Uh, next year's going to be incredible in the SEC. Bama coming off a playoff run. Georgia's going to have their vengeance. Texas yeah. is going to come off a Big 12 title and bring a, most of their guys back. Oklahoma's yeah. going to have momentum. LSU should be better. I mean, I, I cannot wait. They, you, the playoff next year might be the SEC Invitational. <laughs> I mean. So think about it this way. So, like, I know there was a lot of people rooting against Bama and Georgia for getting in, hoping that they wouldn't get in, they would get in just to spite the SEC. But if you had a 12 team right now, it would be just 
full of SEC schools. Yeah. I mean, you'd have Ole Miss would be in, LSU would get in. Um, you'd have Georgia and Alabama. You have those four right there. Missouri would get in. Right. How good's Missouri been this year? Holy yeah. shit. Uh, Missouri's for real. Yeah. And those that's five of your 12 right there. And they're five of your 12 that would probably win their first round games. Yeah. So I, it, it, it's interesting what's going to happen in the SEC next year. Yeah. So yeah, uh, it, it's college football has been interesting in the last month, so to speak. Uh, well, and, and the Big Ten, I thought, made good additions with their four Pac-12 schools. But, I mean, next year, Oregon and Washington both should take a step back. I don't think USC yeah. is going anywhere, and I don't think UCLA is that great. I don't think you're going to have a huge impact in the Big Ten like you are the SEC with their additions next year. Yeah, I mean, we'll go, go to those four real quick. USC's just lost the best player in college football. Right. Who, look, USC's got all sorts of issues right now. They couldn't win with that guy at quarterback. That's a problem. Right. People who are OU people, you guys understand the problem there. You got you know what the problem is there. Ain't the quarterback, it's the coach. Um, you have UCLA, which Chip Kelly cannot find his footing there for some reason. Right. They look like, like a good Chip Kelly team one week, and then two weeks later they get blown. He was out. supposed to get fired two weeks ago. What happened? <laughs> I, you know who the second best team in the big the Pac-12 is right now? If you're going to play them, might be Arizona. Arizona looks good. Well, I wouldn't want to play Arizona. Arizona and LSU are those two three lost teams that if they snuck into a 12 team tournament, they could cause damage. Arizona. He's going to have a sneaky shot to win the Big 12 next year. Yes, they are. They're going to have a very good shot at the Big 12 next year. Yeah. It's going to be, yeah, we're going to have an interesting season next year. We're not even there yet. We right. still got to give away the Heisman Trophy. We still got to play. Who, uh, who is going to win the Heisman this weekend? Who do you think is winning the Heisman? It's going to be Jaden Daniels. I mean, it's, I, saw, I thought it was funny. I shared this on the, the Coach Bono's Twitter. Pre-game – to the Oregon Washington game, Bo Nix was the favorite to win the Heisman. He was like minus 125, and Jaden Daniels was second at plus 200. This is on putting the DraftKings. Halftime, they flipped. Jaden Daniels became the favorite at minus 160, and Bo Nix was two to one, plus 200. The game ends. Uh, my phone, real quick. I literally took screenshots of it, couldn't believe it. The game is over. Jaden Daniels went to negative 700. For those who don't know, that means you got to bet $700 to win $100. And Bo Nix went to plus 600, which means you bet 100 to win 600. So now he's 6 to 1. Four minutes later, I am not exaggerating when I say this. It was literally four minutes later. I took the screenshots at the time and everything. I'll send them to you. Jaden Daniels was negative 1400 and he has been since Jaden Daniels is going to win this Heisman it's not even going to be close and really he is the best player in college football what he's done is it he's like Robert Griffin he's just amazing his arm accuracy has been amazing it helps you get those big receivers but then what he's done in the run game has just been incredible and now he's vaulting up the the the, 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 uh, uh, the draft board into the first round, 
and I'm, we'll talk about that once we get to you know get to near the draft. But he's pretty amazing and pretty special. And I know I'm biased. I'm an LSU guy, but he's going to give us our second Heisman winner in, in the last five years. Yeah, pretty remarkable. Um, so I do have one more thing to say about that, though. Okay, real quick. So Quinn Ewers stays at Texas, doesn't come out, which I think That's he will. Like, I think yeah, he'll stay at Texas. Isn't the play if you're Arch Manning to just go ahead and jump in that portal and head on over to Baton Rouge? Sounds like he and Sark got a good thing going on. That he... No, 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 don't ruin this for me, Tyler. Arch Manning, go get in the portal, get on over to Baton Rouge. We we need a quarterback. All right, we need a quarterback. And you go have a shot at you look, you have a shot at winning the national title. It has happened three times in the last in the last 15 years. We've done it three times in 15 years. Nobody else can say that. Texas can't say that. And two of the last five Heisman winners are LSU guys. Come on over. Come on over to Baton Rouge. We're gonna we'll forgive every Manning if Arch can just come over to Baton Rouge. I I I doubt that happens. Uh speaking in the speaking into reality, help me here, Tyler. I I don't think there's much I can do there uh, for you, Bo. I hate to break it to you. Speaking of the transfer portal, that's uh, a good transition. Uh a lot of movement over the uh, last couple of days of guys declaring. Yeah. Um you know, still waiting to see what some of these announcements are going to be, but some really good talent. And you mentioned quarterbacks uh, that are out there right now, Bo, uh, man, like everyone from Dylan Gabriel to Will Howard, Riley Leonard, yeah. uh, Kyle McCord. What uh, do you think some of these guys end up here? Okay. I, I So it's going to be interesting because there's two schools in particular that might go get a really, really good one. And it's Ohio State and Florida State. Now, I understand that Florida State really likes the backup quarterback. Yeah. The one that's the second one that went down. Yeah. They really like him, and he's a freshman. So we'll see what happens with that. But Ohio State doesn't really have a quarterback right now. Kyle McCord leaves. Could that be a landing spot for somebody? And I, I maybe I'm going to ask you this because I haven't heard. I don't know any inside information. Dylan Gabriel going into the portal kind of surprised me. Was that not surprising to others? I don't I don't have a frame of reference there. Um, so Jackson Arnold, who was the co-number one player in the country with Arch Manning last year, he it is it is known he is the quarterback of the future okay. for Oklahoma. And they really are optimistic about him. And you know, he's one of their highest rated quarterback recruits ever. Okay. And he's the future of the program. They've made that known. And they were afraid that if he didn't start next year, that he would be gone. So Gabriel was kind of pushed out the door of some sorts. Um, okay. And they already, lost, they already lost a year of eligibility of, Ar of Arnold because he had to come in when Gabriel got hurt in the BYU game. Okay. I was curious because I saw that and I was like, when I saw that at the bottom line that day, I didn't see any explanations and I hadn't really looked into it. And I thought, well, that seems a little strange. Yeah, sounds like that Gabriel's sense. probably going to go to Oregon, which uh, would be very good for the Ducks to go from Bo Nix to Dylan Gabriel, I think. I would agree. Um, and look, you know I'm no fan of Bo Nix. I was openly rooting for Washington. Just tear Every time he went to pass, like, throw an interception. <laughs> but I didn't want him winning the Heisman. I don't – I did look, he had, to, he had to leave the SEC to become a good quarterback. And that was – that tells me all I need to know about him. Um, but yeah, I think mean, that'd be a good fit for Dylan Gabriel. 
Um, the, uh, Kyle McCord didn't surprise me. The McCord didn't surprise me. I'll give you two names of quarterbacks that I'd like to see where they land because I think it'll be interesting. Um, Coastal Carolina's quarterback. Um, Bryce McCall. McCall. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's been hurt most of the season. He's been dealing with some injuries, and he's been kind of in and out, in and out. And But you go back to the last two seasons, 2022-2021, he was excellent. And a big reason that Coastal was, good, was really good those two seasons. I think he could be someone that goes to an upper echelon program. To you where I would look at him, I'm not saying he's going to go there. I think he's a great fit for Michigan. Yeah. Just because of the running offense, the different stuff they can do, he'd make a good fit there. We don't know if Michigan's going to have a coach in a few weeks, so I'm not going to get too far ahead of myself. But uh, watch for Grayson McCall. Watch for Michael Pratt from Tulane. Uh, Michael Pratt's going to be a grad transfer. He's already said he's leaving Tulane. Willie Fritz has left Tulane as the head coach. Um, he was American Conference Player of the Year um, in 2022. Great quarterback. They've had some issues with the offense this year. Probably they lost their best player on the offense according to the season. But um, look for him to go somewhere where he could have – he can remind me – he could be like a Russell Wilson was when he went from NC State to Washington to Wisconsin. Like he's not going to go and just clean up and be the Heisman Trophy winner or a big pro prospect. But he can be a difference maker to the middling team in a good conference. Yeah. And Arizona State or um, – Hell, like Colorado could use a player like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. so that's two I'm thinking of. And it, there's, it's interesting to see how many players are going out there and doing this. I'll tell you what's surprising me, what I'm happily surprised about being a Lawrence, Kansas guy. University of Kansas is one player in the portal. I was yeah. asking yesterday when I last checked. One player. Um, I think it's interesting, them, uh, the continuity of – the fact that Leipold has had the same OC and DC all the way back to his yeah. days at Wisconsin Whitewater, and now Andy Kolanicki, who did an incredible job as OC off to Penn State. Now, how does that change the dynamic of that program to lose that continuity? Now, I think that's going to be a big deal that they've lost the OC. Now, I understand the quarterback coach is going to become the OC. Yes. And this is also someone who's been a part of this whole thing with Leipold all these years. Okay. So, I mean, it, it'll be somewhat seamless, but at the same time, it's a new face, it's a new fresh talking point. There's going to be some issues. What will help is that you got the quarterback coming back. Right. He'll be healthy. And they might have one of the best running backs in the country. Yeah. And Devin Neal. So with with Jaden with Jalen Daniels and Devin Neal, that's going to help that offense. That's going to be a they're going to be a sneaky good team. And that that is my one concern is the OC there, but they'll figure that out. And I'm happy for the OC that he gets a bigger job at Penn State. Yeah, good for yeah. him. No, God no. knows they need an offensive coordinator. If they had any kind of an offense, they'd be in the playoff. Or at least they'd be in a 12 team playoff. They wouldn't be in this year's playoff. But um. Kind of recapping some of these coaching changes here. Mike Elko takes over for Jimbo at AM. Jonathan Smith uh, gets the Michigan State job. Jeff Levy goes to Mississippi State. David Braun at Northwestern. Fran Brown, Syracuse. Uh, Trent Bray at Oregon State. Um, Curtis uh, Signetti from James Madison goes to Indiana. Sean Lewis from Colorado goes to San Diego State. Willie Fritz takes the Houston job. Uh, 
some big changes here in the last yeah. week or so. What's been kind of what stood out to you of these uh, coaching the, changes here? The two that stood out to me first was AM. Um, Elko. I, I think that a lot of people thought that was Mark Stoops' job. Yeah, he had the job for about three hours. Yeah, and I don't know what's happened there, but maybe he realized that all the money in the world is not going to buy you any championships at Texas A&M. What was odd was that there was such big backlash from A&M fans, and I think Mark Soups is a great coach. I think Mike Elko is a great coach, and there was yeah, mostly was. most support for Elko. I'm like, I, I didn't understand why you would – not like Mark Stoops, but you would like Mike Elko. I like both guys. Yeah. I like both too. And I think Mark Stoops would have been a great coach there. Yeah. I think they would have both been great choices. Elko's a great coach as well. Uh, the whole thing at AM is you just got to battle Texas and you got Texas in state. And the, the secret, like the secret sauce that people don't realize also is that these SEC schools right now in Texas. You know, and then you got like TCU recruits Dallas real well. The Big 12 schools recruit Dallas real well. So AM kind of being in the middle of nowhere in College Station, it, and, they, and while they have money, they don't have money. It's a different animal. I mean, it's their tippy top guys have money, but the day to day folks that are going to pay these NIL bills don't have it. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. That one was one I thought was interesting. The one that I'm a little biased on this one, like I said, I'll admit my biases. But the one I thought was a great hire, and you knew they got their guy, was Houston. Houston's going to the Big 12, or in the Big 12. And they went and got Willie Fritz from Tulane. Now, Willie Fritz is older. He's in his mid-60s. He's done a really great job at Tulane. They've been, Already knows they've, how to recruit that area. Knows how to recruit Texas and Louisiana, and he's got the, some experience down there. He got a really great team at Tulane the last three years. But what stood out to me about him wasn't who it was. It was part of it was, but then the other part of it was when they introduced it. The AD is there, and the president of the school is there, but the person at the microphone was Tillman Fertitta, your biggest booster. When the, 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 when the uh, Houston yeah, Rockets, by the way, yeah, the, used to, the owner, yeah, used to be the, he's the owner of Houston Rockets. He's a multi-billionaire, owns a bunch of casinos and restaurants, and um, yeah, this guy's humongous. He's, he was he's there, team yeah. He was the one that sold the UFC and then bought the Rockets. And he owns the Golden Nugget Casino and a few others. Um, he's their biggest booster. He's the reason they've stepped up in basketball and football and paid coaches good money over the last few years. When he's standing there and he's talking about how excited he is and why their fans should get behind this coach, it means they went and got the guy he wanted. And Again, this guy does no ball. I mean, this guy was going to put his money where his mouth is. This guy bought the UFC for $4 million, sold it for $3 billion. The guy knows what he's doing. So, I mean, I, I think that when you look at that and you go, wow, nobody else puts the booster up there to make the announcement. Houston did. And it showed me that they've got a lot of stroke and a lot of confidence in what Willie really Fritz is going to do. And going to the Big 12, they're going to need someone that's got some swagger, and they're going to need somebody because the Big 12 is this wide open thing now. There is no Oklahoma. There is no Texas. Who is the alpha dog in the room? Colorado's coming in, and five weeks into the season, we were deep, you and I were even talking about, boy, maybe it's Coach Pride. Uh, guys, we don't know who the alpha is. 
And there's a lot of teams that are going to have an opportunity now, yeah. whether that's Houston or Colorado or Kansas, Kansas State, Utah, you know, Arizona. Arizona. Arizona's playing as good as anybody right now. They're going to come in here in a good football team. Iowa State surprised people this year. Yeah, there's going to be something. I mean, that, that's that's what the exciting part. If you're a Big 12 fan, this shit's going to be exciting because there is no dominant team. Yeah, We don't know who it's going to be. So, to me, that was a great hire. Yeah, I agree. Let's, uh, let's talk some pro football now. i got a little yeah. bit of time left. Um, I know you've been high on the Eagles all year. They played bad last week. I know Jalen Hurts has been a little banged up. Um, has your confidence wavered? Are the Eagles, in your mind, still the best team in the NFL, or does that title belong to San Francisco now? I think – I don't know right now who the best team is. I think we've got three or four really good ones. If I was going to choose the best team in the league, and this is going to get me in some trouble because they really haven't beaten a big team, I think it might be the Miami Dolphins. But just because I just think that you, I do. I think I think getting Jalen Ramsey back was a huge thing for them. Um, and they're, they're the number one seed in the AFC now. But I look at it and go, well, yeah, if they haven't played well in certain weeks, the 49ers we saw, what we've seen is we've seen that if they can play from ahead and they can run the ball, they're going to be really hard to beat. Plain and simple. I mean, they have one through 52. The best team. The team that catches my eyeball, that Baltimore Ravens team, if they can get Isaiah Likely to come along, yes. fill the void of Mark Andrews. To me, that's the entire key. If Likely can fill the void, which he very well may be able to, he's he's shown flashes, yeah. then they're going to be okay. They're going to be contending. If not, if not, if Likely can't get it done, they have no shot. I think Baltimore is really good. And I think that you look at it in the AFC, this is why the Chiefs always have a chance because they can give the ball to Mahomes and say, go be Mahomes. People don't talk about it, but the Ravens have got a guy who is that guy. They can hand the ball to Lamar and go, go do it. He has been the best quarterback in the league before. He and has been they, the they can pressure off of him in the run game now, the way the government yes. looks. Keaton Mitchell, they got the number yeah. one running game in football, and Lamar, for the yeah. first time in years, isn't their leading rusher. Yes, and so they're a team. I look, I look at it right now, and I mentioned there's four teams I really like, and I really like five, but the 49ers are great. I think the Eagles are good. I think Jalen's banged up. He played not well at all, and I think that game was totally different if the first two possessions are touchdowns, not, not field goals for the Eagles. The red zone killed in that game. And then, so you get the 49ers, the Eagles. The other team in the NFC, actually, I hate that I'm saying this. Dallas Cowboys are really good. Yeah. They're really good, and they may have the MVP quarterback right now. They might. He's he's in my top four right now. Um, but then in the AFC, I agree with you on the Ravens. The Dolphins are really good. I think the Dolphins are going to score a shitload of points every week, and getting Ramsey back means they can put Ramsey on your number one receiver. And yeah. that's going to make a difference. Buffalo having fallen off is also going to help the Dolphins now. That last Buffalo-Miami game is in Miami the last week of the season. Now they have – and they have a game on everybody in the AFC. So in the AFC, I like the Ravens. I like the Dolphins. Those are the two teams that are the best two teams. 
Um, you put those, those other three over in the NFC, and I go, where's my five? And I still wouldn't count out the Lions in the right situation. Yeah. Same as I wouldn't count the Chiefs out in the right, the wrong, the right situation. And, and a lot of the Chiefs thing is they got a good defense. Right. But what I don't like with the Chiefs right now, they don't have an offensive identity at all. No. It, it, and I'll tell you what I would do if I was them. I really like Isaiah Pacheco. Me too. Hand that summage the ball 20 times a game. Commit to the run. If the Chiefs committed to the run, and I'm not saying as much as the 49ers do. That's a, that's no. a strange and unique situation. But if they committed to just getting Pacheco the ball 20 times, what are you saving him for? He's on a rookie contract. You're not paying him much. You know, go in and run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Everyone wants to bitch about the Chiefs wide receiver. Just court, getting him some touches in the passing game. Yeah, get him the ball. He chews up the ground like I haven't seen in a long time. And I really like him a lot. I think if I'm the if I'm the Chiefs, I gotta use him. But the 49ers thing, though, I think is interesting. If they get ahead of you the way they can run the ball, like Michigan does. I mean, they just they can run up the clock and run down the clock on you. They got they they commit to playing a different brand of football than everybody else. I described it a couple months ago on my podcast where we said, hey, they commit to blocking unlike anybody else. And when they had that little three-game spat where they weren't good, it was simply because two players were gone. Right. They missed Trent Williams, who's the best offensive lineman in the last 10 to 15 years of the NFL. Yep. And Debo Sang. Yep. Those are the two most valuable players in their offense. Yep. And then you got – and, I'm yeah, I'm going to say that ahead of McCaffrey. I don't think McCaffrey's as good without those two guys in their offense. Mm-hmm. And I look at it and go, okay, then you have McCaffrey and you got Kittle. And it's like, shit. I mean, if we go run the football like this, I can throw to anybody who's open. Let me ask you about Green Bay. Um, they played really good the last few weeks. Jordan Love's yeah. come along. Um, is Green Bay legit? Have, have they turned a corner the right direction? Is is this for real what, what the Packers and what Jordan Love are doing here? Yeah, they are. I was, so I watched the game Sunday night, and I watched the game the last week, uh, what they did against the Lions on Thanksgiving. And it was like, man, there's something has changed. Matt LaFleur has done an – you know, Matt LaFleur hasn't lost a game in December yet. Really? That's coach the Packers. Yeah, it's amazing. He hasn't lost a game in December yet. And here's the rest of their schedule. They're going out to the end of the season. At the Giants, at home against Tampa, at Carolina – at Minnesota, at home against the Bears. Last year, if you recall, it was early January. That last game, what kept the Packers out of the playoffs was the loss to the Lions. You tell me which that game, which what game that is, you know, that five. There isn't one. They're going to win five in a row. They're going to win five in a row, which will make it to eight in a row. They're going three in a row already. Five more wins puts them at eleven and six. They're in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And you get in this playoffs, you got a chance because there isn't the dominant team. There isn't one. We just argued there's five of them we thought were really good, but we didn't say anyone was better than everybody. Well, and, and if uh, their quarterback is playing well, Jordan loves playing well, we already know that A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones are the best one-two punch in the league. They can already run the football well. 
if Love's playing well, that offense is going to be unstoppable. Yeah, and he has played exceptionally well for the last month. And, and Christian and, Watson has come along nicely at wideout. Yes, yes. and if you look at – I'm looking at Jordan Love's Love splits here for the last month. Um, he's been – he has a QBR, except for three weeks ago against the against the Chargers, he has a QBR of almost of over 80 in every game, 90 the last two weeks. But he's thrown for 10 touchdowns and two interceptions in the last month. That's four games. And those two interceptions were that game at Pittsburgh where they had the bad field, everything that happened in that game. That was the last Packer loss. Since then, he's been phenomenal. They've been good. LaFleur seems to be the kind of coach that knows how to get a team to be the best at the end of the season when it counts the most. I... I look at that schedule and I go, yeah, they're going to take advantage of that schedule because of that weak division, and they're in. They're not, they may not win the division. But they're still they're still three games behind the Lions. They're not going to catch the Lions in the division. They don't play the Lions team now and then, but they're going to get in the playoffs. It's going to be interesting to see what happens from there. Last thing, let's end on this. Um, since you and I last talked, nothing has changed for New England. They continue to struggle. Belichick. Uh, in company, just a disastrous season. They might find themselves in position to get the number one pick. Uh, Mac Jones got benched. He's played bad. Bailey Zappi didn't look much better. Um, what's going to be the end result here? Does Is Belichick going to hang it up and go home, or does he take another job? There's already teams, apparently, that are interested in Belichick already. Yeah. You know, that's what we talked about. We've heard about you've heard about other teams that want Bill Belichick to be their coach. Um, I think by bringing in Bill Belichick, um, first off, I don't think he's the coach of the Patriots next year. I, I think they've already got someone. They already know who that's going to be. You know, there's already talk about who that's going to be with them. And and um, who am I thinking of? It's one of their coaches now. Um, you know oh, what I'm talking about? Gerard Mayo. Yes, Gerard Mayo. He'll be the next coach of the Patriots. Um, that's my assumption. From there, I think if you're a team that's going to go look for him, you need to be a team that's just a total shit show. And you need to hire a GM. Don't let Bill be your GM. Yes, yes. And I would. And, and what I would do is I would say it's hard to say I get a young GM because the young GM is going to bow to you know to Belichick, but. Get a GM as experience because when Belichick was best at bringing in good players, he had Scott Pioli or he had a couple of people with him in, in the front office. Um, what I think I would do is I, I could see bringing him in for the discipline part. If you're the Raiders, if you're I gotta look at the look at some teams here, just to kind of look at Commanders, the Panthers, Commanders, the Chargers. Um, you know, the Raiders always been that team. Um Bears. Could the Panthers be that team? Could David Temper be like, I look at Bill Belichick. That seems like a very David Temper kind of thing to do. Um, you know, so I can see a few of these teams. The problem is you're gonna have to trade for him because his rights are still gonna be the Patriots' rights, he's still under contract. And the Patriots are gonna expect something out of him. There's always there's already been a standing for that after what happened with Sean Payton. I don't think he's getting fired now because they want to keep his right. rights. Yeah, there's no way he's getting fired. 
But there's going to be a, hey, why don't you go somewhere else? You know, they can remove him as head coach, keep him under contract. Right. And that's what I suspect will happen. I'm, I'm suspecting, Gerard, I'm, this is going to all get worked out within the first couple of weeks after the season's over. Yeah. They're probably already having the conversations. If they're not, then they are really behind. They, these are conversations that should already be happening because they're not a good team at all. I mean, just they're horrible. And at two and ten, with again only a game back of the number one pick, I'm looking at that going, man, there's two guys I'd be scared shitless right now. Because do you want to go to New England with Bill Belichick as your coach if you're um well I'm not thinking of hey, US quarterback? Drake May. Yeah, not Drake May. Drake May's we'll talk about that later. Um but yeah, you, if, or or Marvin Harrison Jr. My, my other one, he's not going to want to be there. He, he's not going to want to go to New England either. Yeah, but they're going to end up one of those two picks because they're not going to win at the game. Yeah, all they got to do is hope that Carolina gets behind on a, on a, a a coach here for the next few weeks and pulls one out. And I do think Carolina's going to pull one or two out. They're playing. They're playing mostly division games, the bad division. They're going to pull one out either against the Bucks or the Saints. Yeah, I think it'll be hysterical if it's the Saints because they just need to start over wipe everybody off the planet. Uh, Bo, appreciate the time as always. Glad to have you back uh, with us, man. What's coming up on the podcast? Hey, we uh, this week's been just me. Uh, Token Girl Ellen's not going to be on this week, but just me. I'm going to be recording here in a little bit. Uh, we're going to do a lot of football stuff. Some of the we already talked about with the uh, college football stuff. I'm going to talk about how I'm not a fan of the playoff going to 12 teams. That I think that eight is about the right number, but TV contract money is big, and so they're going to go to twelve. Um, we got to talk a little bit about that, and then I got a couple of baseball takes and the Shohei Otani thing that's going on right now, and um, just kind of getting it out there, some other different stuff. So it'll be kind of a potpourri of things, if you will. Potpourri can't uh, get enough of it. Bo, glad to have you back with us, man. Uh, looking forward to talking to you again uh, next week. Thanks for joining us, man. Right. Thank you, Tyler. See you next week. Final segment before we go. It is our Tom Fullery story of the week. No Thomas Bridges this week, but the show goes on with uh, with Tom Fullery as Derek Haglin rejoins me right now. And uh, Derek, with uh, with us having Chad Withrow on from Outkick, we had to, I decided that we better pull up an Outkick story for Tom Fullery. Um, but I will say where we're going to this week is a place that I have spent way too much time on over the years we're going to tender this week have you done the tender no i'm really 30. i don't do tender no you've never been on tender before never been on tinder and what has been your dating apps of choice uh match match okay Yep. Um, match exclusive contract. Never, never done like Bumble or Hinge or anything. Never, never done Bumble or Hinge or anything like that. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. I'm a little surprised there. Here's uh here's how the story goes. I, I, to be honest, I've done all of them. I've done Tinder, Bumble, Hinge, and I'm still a single man. So that tells you how that's worked out. Uh, exactly. Here's how the story goes. There have been plenty of wild Tinder stories to hit the internet over the years, everything from a woman tying up her date, not in a good way, to a romantic Tinder vacation gone horribly wrong. As bad as those encounters were on the dating slash hookup at, they don't have anything on the level of creepiness that this woman has run into. 
She has a family member who decided it was a good idea to like her Tinder profile. Oh, boy. The woman who goes by the username Breaking Bad Biddies on TikTok, TikTok documented <laughs> a creepy finding in a viral video that now has more than 500,000 views because that's what anyone in her situation would do. This isn't information you keep to yourself, not in the year 2023. She captioned the clip, which explains how her married uncle liked her Tinder profile. He just had a baby, too. My friend screamed and cried when I told them. As she explains in former text overlay, her friend suggested she join the dating apps to help get over a breakup. Little did she know that the breakup was going to be seen as an opportunity to buy her creepy uncle to shoot his shot. The slideshow video moves to the next picture, revealing a congratulatory screenshot of the like that she received from her uncle. She blurred out the faces of the picture and added some more text, overlay providing more details. The text reads, that's literally my grandpa referencing the man standing next to her uncle in the picture. It then continues, my uncle liking me. Uh, and then uh, more in the article here. Talk about making those family gatherings awkward. And just in time for the holidays, your uncle popping up and liking your Tinder profile is one way to do that. Was he hoping that his niece was going to swipe right? A like on Tinder isn't an equivalent to liking a picture on social media. He has to know that, which makes this whole thing completely insane. Someone commented, I can't even put into words how odd this would make me feel, OMG. To which she replied, I woke up nauseous this morning. That's par for the course, given the circumstances here. Unfortunately for this woman who was just looking to get back on the dating scene, this very well could be a sign that the apps aren't the way to go. Uh, Derek, your initial reaction? Um, oh, what's the, is this West Virginia, Alabama, or uh, like, you know, maybe Kentucky that this happened in? What, what, I'm thinking this is like got to be Arkansas, Arkansas. Uh, West Virginia, I feel like would be the would be the perfect spot. Um, in in my opinion, it would not surprise me if it was if it was that. But um, yeah, uh, that's his niece. Crazy. Yeah, his his niece. The the that's literally my grandpa. I, I shouldn't laugh, but because it's not me, I'm going to. That's uh, the funniest part for this to me is the fact that not that he he liked her picture. But the fact that his Tinder profile, he's putting his own dad in his pictures with him on Tinder. Right, right, exactly. And he's married. So why are you doing this? How is how how were you not discovered? I can only imagine that. Yes, obviously, a that's very creepy and and, dis and disturbing. But how is that going to go if you just had a baby and you're married? Like, please tell me how how that goes. Right. And how does, how does how does that go when your wife who just had your child uh finds that out goes? Right. Yeah. What what what's the conversation? Like is it is it straight to divorce court at that point? Right, right, right. Yeah. Is it is it is it is it straight to uh Judge Joe Brown or Judge Judy or what are we doing? Oh I I think you're going uh Divorce court. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, uh, a couple things on this. Uh, if 
if he had liked his niece, his picture, there's no way this guy hasn't run around before, right? Like to me, that's that's not something that you do is like your niece the first time. Like that that is there's there's had to have been a lot more extramarital activity uh, prior to this. Oh, 100%. I 100% agree with that. Yeah. Um, there's, 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 there, there had to have been signs too about how wild this guy is, um, and weird, um, because that's just fucking odd. All of that. Now, one thing I, I will, I will mention we, we're not shaming here. Let me make that clear. But th- this chick, her, uh, her age preferences had to be pretty wide if she was getting her uncle. Uh, showing up in uh, her potential matches here. Yeah, no, I would, I would, uh, I would agree with that absolutely. Um, that if if they're doing that, that's absolutely the case. I mean, th- this this might be a, a scary thing to consider when you think about, like, oh, if 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 I'm going to make my age, you know, preferences this way, then that's going to open up a can of worms potentially to older creepy men. Right, but how did he find her? That's the crazy thing. What are what were his age ranges? They obviously had to be really low, though, too. That too. That's a very good point as well. You know I mean? Um, Derek, I, I was reading just the other day uh, about the the growing trend of sorts of uh, of older men uh, marrying younger women and going about that route but have i ever told you what my my perfect plan would be as a as a single man uh my sink my, my perfect single man life plan uh i feel like i'm gonna hear about it right now all right here here it is i you'll either think i'm a dumbass or a genius maybe both actually with what i'm about to say. that already all right so currently i am for the folks at home listening i am 27 years old in a perfect world, Derek, pretty pretty soon, in the next few years, I would find an older, attractive female with money. And <laughs> then eventually, at some point in time, she dies off. And, you know, I, I, I go away with her money and all that. And then for the my second chapter, I go marry a woman much younger than me. And then I get the best of both. Uh, yeah, uh, it's, that's definitely an interesting Anna Nicole Smith way to approach things. <laughs> Shout out <laughs> Anna Nicole Smith. I, I didn't see that. It was good. Um, so, yes, that is my my perfect life plan. Um, but got to still find the, the rich older woman first. Got to execute part one to get to part two. Yeah, yeah. You got to, you got to, you got to, you got to accomplish a before you can get to B. <laughs> On that note, uh, we will run. We'll get out of here. Uh, Derek, much uh, appreciated having you be here, man. Uh, tell people where they can uh, find you and and uh, what you're up to, man. Where, where, where can people follow you? Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, always fun to fill in. Hope Thomas is feeling well. Um, yeah, you know, you can follow me, KU, uh, uh, KU The Hill on Twitter. Um, obviously on Facebook, got a lot of stuff going on. I know I'm going to see you in a couple of weeks when the chiefs, uh, play the Raiders on Christmas. So that should be a lot of fun. Um, you know, just find me in and around, uh, the Kansas city area. Uh, I'm not going to get out my address anymore. 
Um, but uh, yeah, you know, just uh, so uh, winter's coming up. There's a lot of there's a lot of fun stuff going on right now. I think this is the best time of the year when when basically all sports are going. So um, you know, you got Derek like at the local Johnny's if you're trying to track him down. I had Johnny's for lunch today. Um, there you go. So, that's right. Got buffalo buffalo sauce on my uh, on my polo. Um, devastated. Got to got to uh, spray spray and wash that out. I love it. I love it. Uh, big thanks, to Chad Withrow, for stopping by. You, the listener, as well for joining us. Uh, subscribe to the Jones Report. New episodes out each and every week. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out the Studio Soapbox Network. This show, Coach Bo Knows Podcast, Let's Go Racing and more uh, on all podcast platforms. You can follow me on X and Instagram and Facebook at Tyler Jones Live, at Studio Soapbox and those platforms as well. And uh, we'll see you back here next week. Thomas Bridges should be back here with us next week as well and hopefully healthy and uh, good to go there. So look forward to that. For Derek Ackland, Chad Withrow, our entire crew, I'm Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. It's been another edition of Jones Sport. We'll see you next week.